Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 156 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is January 27th, 2021. I'm Robert Ring, and with me is Mr. Jay Totoro. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? Doing pretty good. How are you? How's life? Great. I'm doing very well. No, not for any particular reason. I'm just uh, doing great. You want to hear something crazy? Yes. We tied the record in the state of Arizona. We tied the record for the coldest day in history. That's on record, I believe. Uh, we also had snow in Phoenix Holy... for the first time in seven years. Holy shit. Yep, I didn't get to see any of it. Why not? Why did you not get to see it? I don't live in Phoenix, and I, I, didn't, I didn't find out until uh, find out about it until after the fact. I saw saw on social media people were like, "Hey, we got." It was like, "It was oh, a you live in snow. where do you live? Do you I live, live in Mesa. It's like south. Mesa. It's it's like east southeast of uh, Phoenix. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. It was a very unique. It's been freezing. Well, freezing for me. Yeah. It has been so cold. I, like, I go for long walks in the mornings, and it is so cold. What kind of what's the temperature been? Uh, let me Google actually. Let me see. So I, I really don't know because for me it feels like it's like probably 40 degrees, but it's probably uh, actually wasn't that far off. It's 52 out right now. Okay. I don't know how to look backwards. I'm too lazy. We'll just say it was somewhere in the 50s. That, it, that's probably feasible. It got pretty <laughs> cold here for a little bit, but then it's just lately it hasn't. It's been a little cold, not too cold, but it's been nonstop drizzling. Like our backyard is a swamp right now. It's wow. I walk. I have to wear boots to walk through. It's You're kidding. Uh, no, it's just uh it's just muck. We've actually got a lot of rain recently too, not even joking. It's it's I think it's gonna rain more this in the past week than it will all year. It rained like four <laughs> or five days in a row in Arizona. That's not, that's like more than it's supposed to rain in a year, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's I I actually think we're gonna break a record or some of some kind. Damn. It's kinda of funny. All right, Jay, I made a purchase. I don't have it oh. yet. My birthday's coming up. Okay, Fe- you and you and holidays, man. <laughs> I know. My birthday's coming up in February. Okay, yeah. I was supposed to. Well, I, I was supposed to. I was planning on getting uh, a new amp to like for for guitar. Yeah, but um, I was wanting something kind of big, and I don't really have room for it right now. So, I, so I put that off, and instead, I got something very small. Uh, well, I went ahead and ordered something very small. I don't have it yet. I'll get it on my birthday. Uh, the Atari Lynx. Oh, interesting. What <laughs> what was your motivation for getting that? <laughs> same reason I got the 3DO. I uh, well, actually, well, yeah, all the same reasons I got the 3DO. One, because it's a weird kind of obscure little, you know, handheld console or you know, handheld handheld you know game handheld thing, uh-huh. and also a little bit of nostalgia because that I actually did have one of those also when I was little. Oh, super cool. Uh, so th- I guess I didn't have, it, pro- it probably sounds like I had everything, like every console there was. I didn't really have a ton of obscure consoles. Th- these were kind of it. Th- well, the, so 3DO and the Atari Lynx, and also I guess the, the TurboGrafx 16. Yeah. I did have all those. Those are all pretty obscure, but, but besides those, I just, I really just had like the mainstream stuff. Um, That's but, super cool. Yeah. But regardless, I went ahead and ordered an Atari Lynx. I was like, I need. To, I really want to. Since I'm, since I'm since I'm not getting an amp, I think the next coolest thing I could get is another weird obscure console that that nobody cares about. Yeah. I just get a kick out of owning those. So I was like, Atari Lynx, it is. So I bought that and a few games. So I'll have that to talk about in a couple months, or you know, I'll get it in about a month and uh, talk about it a little bit after. That's awesome! Congratulations. Thanks. I'm I'm pretty excited about it. It's. You should it, be. I, I really liked it. It was a fun thing. I liked it better than the Game Gear. You know, it was it had a color screen wow, and everything. Really? I I liked it better than the Game Gear. I don't know. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. 
I got you. Um, I, I love the Game Gear. Like as a kid. Did you? You were a Game Gear fan? I, I didn't have, but the funny part was there's a lot of things. I, I my parents didn't buy a whole lot of uh, of video games for us growing up, and I'm not not complaining by any means because you know, we had four kids. Yeah, I had three siblings. Uh, but yeah, my friend had a Game Gear, and I would play it a ton at his house. He also had a Super Nintendo, so I played a lot of that at his house. He just kind of had a lot of stuff. Sure. Yeah, I had a Game Gear, and like I had fun with it. But I just always kind of remember feeling that it just, you know, it was pretty good. But I really loved the uh, the Atari Lynx. So we'll see. We'll see how it holds up. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to ask you, how often... So th- so I asked this because this doesn't happen to me too much for things that I play for the podcast. But how often do you get nostalgia playing games for the podcast now? You know, lately a little bit more. Hmm. Um. You know, I, I it just kind of varies. It, it 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 depends entirely on what I'm playing. You know, if it's something that I played when I was little, because a lot of the time I try to play new stuff that I've never played before. Um, I'd say the major, I think the vast majority of the games that I play are games that I did not play when I was when I was little. Lately, I've been doing a little bit more. When I, you know, I talked about the 3DO last time, and I had so much fun with that, and I think a lot of that was nostalgia. Um. So I think when I do play a game, you know, that I played when I was really little, I am, yeah. I am prone to getting a lot of nostalgia <laughs> out of, out of those. Um, and it, it is, it is weird. It's, it's especially for some reason, it seems to be a little bit more if it's like a, just kind of, um, not necessarily a bad game, but, but a game that that's not a great one. That was like, that's good and it's fine and enjoyable, but never really, you know, made any huge waves or anything like that. I don't know why, I don't know why that is, but it's like, I, I enjoy it purely for kind of like its own sake. And there's, there's not a lot of talk about it, but like I had this one game and I remember playing it and that, and I don't know, for some reason the, the, the lesser games, the, the kind of more middle ground games do it a little bit more for me, I think. That makes some form of sense. Yeah, I was just asking because like I, I haven't I haven't had it nearly as much for the podcast as of recent, like probably in the last year or so. Uh-huh. But the last game I played, I I got some some real nostalgia. I was like, oh yeah, I, I hadn't felt it for a while because it just a lot of the games I was playing, I either hadn't played or it just didn't really trigger trigger that feeling. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, I I'm, cool. look I look forward to hearing all about that in a little bit. Oh yeah. All right. Quick news, well, not quick news, some news. Uh, <laughs> AGDQ, Awesome Games Done Quick, finished. We talked about that last time. It was wrapping up when we recorded the last episode. They raised $2.7 million for the Prevent, uh, Prevent Cancer Foundation. It always blows me That's away. Crazy. <laughs> and, like, half of it was the very last day. Yeah, it, it's always like that, too. Like, there's always a sprint at the end. If yeah, like... I, I think you're right. So that's pretty awesome. Um, sad news. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> sad news. Jonas Neubauer, who was the seven-time Tetris World Champion, died at age 39. How did he die? Uh, I don't think his family has said. They just said there was a sudden medical emergency. Hmm. So that's, that. that's sad. That sucks. Jonas Neubauer. Uh, okay, so this isn't really big or interesting news but i think uh in the sense of fairness we should mention it especially since we talk about gog last time in the in the china situation steam has i think is about to or just has 
officially launched their the China the Chinese version uh, the Chinese Steam storefront. Good uh, lord! Obviously, that'll have that that'll be heavily curated, you know, to remove games that uh that are offensive to the Chinese government. And so that sucks. It blows. Not necessarily unexpected, but it's it's. I hate seeing this happen. Like everybody just being like, "Yeah, we'll do it," you know, because money. Because money. So that is going on. There was a Bloomberg article on Blizzard that talked a little oh, bit about no. a couple things. One of the things is Warcraft Three Reforged. Uh, the 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 journalist who wrote the article discovered that um he, he kind of talked to some people who were involved and, and saw some internal documents. Evidently, so as you and I know, Warcraft Three Reforged was a complete disaster. Dog dude. Um, and this is a this was a like a remaster of Warcraft Three for anybody who's who doesn't remember remember that. Uh, evidently. <laughs> Uh, management announced the uh, game's pre-order date without telling any of the developers what the pre-order date was. Uh, and it was the pre-order date was a year from the point where they said, and d- the developers had no idea. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Do you remember they had to delay it? Remember it was summer twenty nineteen. No, I don't remember. For, I didn't remember that. Oh, it was summer 2019 until I think December, and then they switched it to 2020, 2020. I think <laughs> is what it was. So that yeah, that explains a lot of things. Also, more interesting is uh, they are working on a Diablo 2 remake. Yeah, I did read a little bit about that. It's kind of interesting. It's going to be called Diablo 2 Resurrected. Uh, I don't know anything about um, release dates or anything like that. I don't know, you know, what all is being remade about it. That's kind of, uh, I don't know. Is This strikes me as weird, but I don't know why. I mean, out of any games, I mean, Diablo 2 was a huge hit. It certainly deserves a remake. But yeah, it's kind of like, why don't you just make Diablo 4? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Do you, does that make? Am I being an idiot about it? I mean, maybe. It, it depends what approach they take because we saw with Classic WoW that they're going to do these half-ass attempts to to meet the demands of of uh, their consumers. Like that That's what we saw with Classic WoW. So I think what they can do is they, they may have found a way to make easy margin on a product that doesn't require an extensive amount of development. And realistically, Blizzard's creativity has been kind of dripping over time. So maybe that's all that's also the concern is they, they are concerned. They can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Like it's just, yeah, I, I have no expectations of blizzard anymore to be honest with you. No, you're yeah. I I'm with you hundred percent. A lot of people feel no way now too, which is unfortunate. Yep. But Okay. And finally, have you read anything about the GameStop stock? stuff going on i saw it today but i i, I saw it in passing <laughs> i was just like what i, I just kind of like left it left alone what i actually don't know holy what happened in- shit okay so this i i re i 
read into this and did as much research as I could today. I, you know, I read into it for about 20 or 30 minutes. Take what I'm saying with a great, I think I've got the key points down. I definitely don't understand all of the, all of the nuances and all of the detail of what's happening, but, but I've got the basic idea down. So you got GameStop. Okay. You also got a subreddit called wall street bets where basically people discuss the stock market and they all kind of try to decide what stocks you should be buying or selling. And it's kind of a collaborative, Oh, Hey, we need to, we should buy this. We should sell this and that kind of stuff. So someone had the idea, someone decided that, or, or, I guess not just decided, but there, there was one, apparently there seems to be one guy who was kind of the, the head of all this. And a lot of people were like, you know, this kind of makes sense. He said that it would be a good idea to buy GameStop stock. You know, obviously GameStop is not doing very well at all, but there are a couple things in its favor right now, which are uh, you know, people being at home wanting to play, play, uh, play video games because they can't go out. So they're ordering games more. Some of them, some of that's coming from GameStop. And then there's also the new consoles coming out that people are buying from GameStop. At the same time, there's a hedge fund somewhere who, since GameStop is not doing well, they decided to short sell, um, GameStop stock. Now, what that means is, and I had to, so I have, I have a master's degree in business, but I have basically never used it and I don't remember any of it. So I had to go master's degree in business. (laughs) Yeah. Believe it or not. I didn't know that. Um, But I had to go back and relearn what short selling is and what short selling is in stock. It's basically doing reverse good stock. So, you know, when you buy stock, obviously you want to buy it when it's cheap, sell it when it's high. Well, short selling stock is what you do when you think the stock is going to go down and you think it's going to do bad and you were betting on it doing bad. What you do basically is you, there's a borrowing process, but that's not even really the key part. What you're saying is, okay, I'm going to sell the stock to you for what it's worth right now, but I'm not going to buy it myself for another, I don't know, like, I don't remember. I don't know the time, maybe a week or so. So you sell it to that person, say the stock is 60 bucks. You sell it to somebody for 60 bucks. You're counting on it going down. So in a week, maybe it's 40 bucks. That's when you finally buy it yourself. And, uh, so you sold it to somebody for 60 bucks, but you ended up only buying it for 40 bucks later. Okay. But the thing is you have to buy it obviously. Um, cause that's just, that's just part of it. So if it, it's a gamble, so, cause if it goes up, then you're screwed. Um, so what happened was they saw that this hedge fund was short selling stock and they were like, hold on to your GameStop stock. Nobody, nobody sell. And if, and if, in fact, you should buy because they're going to have to sell this stock in a little while. If we all hang on to it, the price is going to go up and they're going to have to sell it for a lot of money. And we're not, while we're buying it for relatively cheap. 
Uh, because if nobody sells, then that just then that in itself causes the price to go up. All right. Normally, this wouldn't be something that you could do and have any impact on, except Wall Street Bets is a pretty big place, so they were able to get like a lot of people holding on to their GameSpot stock enough to actually make a difference in the stock, a very big difference in the stock price. And so just none of them are selling. They're buying if they can. And if nothing else, they're just holding on to what they have. It's causing the price to skyrocket. And in the meantime, the hedge fund people are just are flipping out because, you know, they, they sold the stock already pretty, you know, prematurely more or less for, a pretty cheap amount and they're going to have to pay a ton of money to actually buy it. And I think Friday is when like the time comes up on, on the short sale and they have to make the purchase. Um, so what they found out. So, th- so the people who are, who are doing the short selling, they're on like news channels and stuff, trying to convince everybody that they need to sell, that this is terrible, that, you know, this is a bad idea. You need to sell for your own sake and stuff. They're basically trying to save their own skins. In the meantime, they started trading amongst like some of the uh, hedge funds started trading it amongst themselves and selling it to each other for very small prices to try to get the price to come down. So people would see that and be like, Oh shit, look how low the price is. I got to get out, but it didn't work. And the people over on wall street bets are just like, no, hang on to it. Don't fucking sell. So it's making it even worse. So what has happened to the stock price is, Earlier in the month, the stock price was $18, okay? Uh, Today, it started off at $148. My God. It ended today at $350. What the... For GameStop? For GameStop. In June of last year, it was $4. And in 2016, it was like 40 cents or something like that. <laughs> right now, it is, I think it closed at like 344 or, or like $348 or something like that. I, I could be wrong in the details there. But so they are kind of just like, it's like a combination of let's see if we can make this work and also just trying to like say, fuck the man. <laughs> we can do this you know we're, we we have enough people to do this and it's actually working and the hedge funds who bought it and are trying to sell or you know who sh- who short who did the short sales are totally just getting completely fucked and that's crazy <laughs> and the people who the people on wall street but who who still are holding on to it and still not selling they're waiting till i believe the idea is they're waiting till friday to, to, for everybody to dump their stock and get rich, basically. Um, they're all just hanging on to it still. And they are, one guy posted a screenshot of his account and he had purchased like $750,000 worth of stock. And it's worth, it's right now it's worth 47 million. What? <laughs> That's actually crazy. So they're actually, actually, actually making shitloads of money unless somehow it all comes crashing down before they sell. But everybody seems... How would it, though? I, exactly. I don't know. I don't... I mean, that, that's kind of the, always the question. You know, with stocks, you never really know. You know, especially with something unprecedented like this, you never know what yeah. can happen and what might happen. 
So there's that's a little true. risk in just not knowing, but yeah, that's the question also. What would cause it to go down? Well, nothing that we can think of, so it seems like it might work out for these guys. There was a, an awesome quote from uh, some guy. So, that this, so Slate.com, I found some interview. This website Slate.com did with uh, one of the guys from Wall Street Bets. And asked him, they were just asking him in general, like, how did this start? You know, all this kind of stuff. He was just kind of, a, I think, just a random user that they found, more or less. They asked him why he thought it was going to go up originally, you know, before it did and started yeah. making news everywhere. This is his quote. It's a little hard to quantify, but it's mostly just a lot of people posting memes about a stock and a lot of enthusiastic posts mixed with a little bit of positive due diligence. I saw one or people, one or two people post serious analyses about what's going to happen to the short sellers and that if everyone just holds them, there has to be a short squeeze and then the stock has to go up. Then beyond that, it's just waves and waves of people screaming hold and posting Braveheart memes where they're holding the stock until the British go bankrupt. That's actually what a weird time to be alive. I know <laughs> it is actually insane. So uh, I guess Friday we'll see what happens, but uh, this is very interesting and kind of am and very amusing as well. All right, Jay. That's what we got for news. Do you have anything to add? Um, I said I just sent you a funny message. I don't know if you want to read that. Oh uh, yeah, I saw it. I, hold on, let me look at it. You were did you see that on Reddit? No. This is this is a Reddit uh post. To, yeah, I'll just read it. Til. Til. When game designer Tim Schafer was interviewed to work at LucasArts, he said he was a fan of their game Ball Blaster. Oh, I've, I actually have heard the story. The interviewer told him their game was titled Ball Blazer and only pirated copies were named Ball Blaster. <laughs> he, he eventually got the job and co-created Secret of Monkey Island. <laughs> How funny is that? That is really funny. Oh, yeah. I love you guys game Ball Blaster. I just love that the pirate verse is just different. Like, that's so great. <laughs> yeah. My dad said when he was uh when he graduated college, he was doing, you know, like interviews with uh with with you know companies that were hiring, of course. And he went sure. he he was an engineer and he graduated from Georgia Tech. And so he said he wanted to do like my my dad is the kind of person who always wants to be a hundred percent prepared for everything in life, basically. Okay. So he lined up interviews for places that he didn't really care about too much just to practice the interview process. And so he said one of them he went to and it was uh general motors and like, they were like, so why do you want to uh, work here? And he was like, just talked about like how much he loves cars and like, Oh, cars, this car is that. And like, wouldn't shut up about like how great cars are and how, and how he loves them so much and knows so much about them. And then like, after he went on for five minutes, they said, this is the aeronautics division. Oh, <laughs> He basically was like, see you later. <laughs> I mean, what else are you going to say? Yeah, I know. That's funny. All right. Why don't you start, if you don't mind, with uh, with what you've been playing for this episode? Sure. So I, I played a couple things. Um, so uh, I'll start well, I'll start on the poor, the, the shitty part, and then we'll get to the positive part. All right. So I I wanted to continue our trend of, I was, so I was watching people speed run Final Fantasy 1, and I was like, oh my gosh, I really want to play Final Fantasy 1 again. <laughs> and I was like, but we just played it. And I'm like, all right, well, I can't do that again. I mean, I can, but I'm not going to. I was like, okay, uh, I know I'll just continue with the trend. So I started playing Final Fantasy 9 again, 
because uh, I still have my file. My file is like very far into the game, so I picked that up. Wait, a have you bit. ever finished no, it? I didn't finish it. I've been playing it like a little bit because I, I I bought some other games for my Switch. I got Divinity, which is super fun. Oh, cool. Uh, so I haven't been playing my computer much either. So I, I told you I've been playing a lot of Gloomhaven, yeah, which yeah. Uh, in person, which is really bad because that takes up a lot of time. And then I bought Divinity, which is a very slow paced game. So it kind of took up my my Switch time. So. But I really wanted to play a Final Fantasy game, and I'm like, okay, I don't want to start a new... I don't want to start, like, 10 again right now. I need to finish 9. So I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll play 2. I'll play the second one, because that way I can do, like, 1, 2, 3. And, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing 3. I know you are you are not a fan of it, but I am looking forward to playing 3. It's been a long time since I played it, uh, so I am looking forward to that fondly. But I was like, screw it, I'll play 2. Uh, I'll just kind of grab my way through it, and then uh, that way I can just can be done with it and i was going into it thinking it was gonna be very similar to the first one and this was in terms of like sorry real quick just just to interrupt we we so you and i talked about this briefly uh right before the podcast and you and you did play the uh the famicom version not not the game boy advance port correct yeah yeah, yeah. like the og one yeah yep um so i went into it with the mindset like okay it's gonna be very similar to one you know it's gonna have the same basic format with just some some quality of life adjustments here and there and I probably spent two hours playing it and I never want to play it again. <laughs> it, it, it was, there's so much, there's not even like anything that I, I honestly feel is, is redeeming about it. Like even, even the slight adjustments that they made to the game honestly made it worse for me. So, so let's start from the beginning. So one of the, the key features that, that I'll point out with Final Fantasy one to Final Fantasy two is when you go to a shop, and you want to buy something in the original one you go into a shop and you get the menu screen and then you go through that and you can you know buy your items and then leave and whatever in this one when you go into a shop you actually go into it so you it has its own you know separate screen that you can go to and do different things which is cool but also gets very uh kind of annoying and redundant at times because like okay every building you go into has an actual inside that you have to walk around you know it's it's old school sprites so you're moving pretty slow and I was like, okay, the first couple times, I was like, oh, that's cool. So they decided to kind of expand on this. But then after a while, I'm like, I really wish they wouldn't have. I'd rather go back <laughs> to just having the the black screen with the with the text on it. I think that was actually probably better for this, right? Um, and then you you get dropped three characters, and the game doesn't really give you any sense of what the characters are in terms of their classes. You have yeah. a main character that you assume is like a a, a some kind of tank, you know, like a, a tank or a warrior. You have a uh, female character who's who looks like an archer, and then you have another male character who I, I assume looks like some sort of like assassin or, if you will, like a glass cannon type DPS. So after playing for about an hour and a half, I noticed that the assassin was getting higher. He was getting more health per level than the tank. And I was like, okay, so maybe I need to move them around. And so I move them around a little bit. And you, there's, there's, uh, there's a decent amount of more items that you can put on your characters in this one. Uh, and they, they have a much better, I will say they have a much better menu for, for dealing with equipment. In the original one, it was just a, a um, horizontally long rectangle that would have, you. each character could have four items in their bags. And, and that means equipped, excuse me, four items on them in total, including equipped and non-equipped. So if you have like a hat, you know, a chest piece, a weapon, and a shield, that's all you can have. Anything more you get, uh, you can't pick it up unless you drop another item, which is actually oh. really annoying because at a certain point, all of your characters essentially have four items equipped. So the first one yeah. was annoying when you got to a certain point, you're like, do I need to drop an item for this? Like, I feel like I have pretty damn good items, but, you know, 
that that was obviously the first one. But the second one, you have I, I think you really have unlimited inventory space. I never got to I never had capacity, but your characters have much more they, there's much more options of stuff that they can equip. However, the game doesn't do a good job of explaining what what it all does. So Imagine I had to that. Google some of it. Oh, what were you gonna say? Imagine that. Yeah, I know, right? Imagine an older game that doesn't doesn't have good quality of life stuff. Uh, so I Googled it and I found out that the main character is some sort of like He's like a glass cannon DPS, basically. He's like a melee DPS. So, because you can do wieldness. Uh, that that was actually I was really excited about this because my my first character I was like, he has a left he has a left hand icon and a right hand icon. I'm like, oh, so I can put a sword and a shield. And I'm like, wait, what if I got two weapons? Like that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> so I I had a sword and an axe uh, on the on the main character as soon as I figured out that he was a DPS. And then the tank, which again kind of throws you off when you look at the visuals. Um, I gave him a shield <clears throat> to make a little a little bit tankier. I will say the dual thing was kind of cool because when your character attacks, they swing the sword, then they swing the axe, and then the damage is calculated, which is which is kind of a cool visual. Uh, I didn't really notice the difference. So sorry, when, sorry. I, when I moved equipment you, around, you broke up for a second. Oh, you didn't notice the difference oh, on what? I didn't notice the difference in after I put items on them. Like they didn't seem substantially stronger. It it just I expected more of a benefit from wearing equipment uh, than what I actually got. And so so the combat's the same as the first one, obviously. They did reshape the UI for the fights a little bit. They extended some of the boxes, and I, I don't really like the format of it. It's it's okay. I, I think the original one was a little bit more clear and, and more digestible, but it's it's kind of a minor complaint. The, the couple things I will complain about fighting is, one, mobs run away a lot, and even when you're low level. So like when you first start the game, you know you walk around outside the city, and you might fight a couple of hornets and some other things, right? The mobs will flee individually as you're going, and it's kind of annoying because you're like, I'm trying to grind, I'm trying to level. I really don't want to have to sit here and go through, you know, the battle sequence again just to have more mobs run away. I, I don't mind mobs running away, but it's it's kind of frequent. Like it, it's more frequent than you'd think, and it's oh, not really? because you're super super high level. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it, yeah. if I was super high level, like kind of like right, um, yeah, that happened Earth on Earth. that happened. Uh, that happens on Dragon Warrior when you get high level and you're in an area, you know, where if you're in an area where you're a lot higher level than the other guys, then when you come across a monster, then often they will just they will run off. And that's but yeah, it's purely uh, based Makes on like sense, the power right? difference. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like Earthbound, you know, you instant kill them off. So if you're if you're a certain level or threshold higher, higher than them. Yeah, that makes sense to me. But this game was like early on. Mobs <laughs> are just running from me. And and one of the things that I was that's really annoying. frustrated with. Is, is, you know, so in Final Fantasy 1, it was very clear where you needed to go, right? The game starts, you talk to the king, you talk to his daughter, I think, and they kind of give you some details. Or, no, you just talk to the king. No, I don't, I don't, I don't remember if Final, Fa Final Fantasy 1, I remember being a little bit lost at, at first. Like, the, the, well, to some extent, I didn't know, it's like... It's not perfect. Yeah, I didn't know where to go. You can go multiple different directions, but... Actually, there's once you start like exploring a little bit, you learn there's really not that many places to go before to go. you start learning. There's only where to go. one way to go at the beginning. You're, yeah, and okay. I, I really appreciate it because the bridge isn't built yet. So in the first one, it's like you leave yeah. the town and you can only go northwest or like north northwest. And there's a dungeon, you clear it, and that's the beginning of the game. In this one, you exit the city, and I was like, what? Which direction do I go? You can go really far north, mm -hmm. you can go really far south, you can go really far west. So I save my game. I start heading down south. I'm kind of exploring. I'm, you know, zigzagging around, trying to get as much of the map as possible. And I get in a fight with something that I, I was just like, oh, this looks really strong. It one hits me <laughs> and I do zero damage to it. And then it one hits the rest of my party and I kills me. I remember that. Like, I remember that from that game. Yeah. 
like I, I feel like it, it's just crazy. It, it, it was it was insane. So I'm like, okay, so I guess you're not supposed to go south. Okay, so I'll go north. I go north. There's like a town. There's like a small town, and there's a big town. And you go to a small town. And I'm like walking around, talking to everybody, going at all the damn buildings, talking to people, looking for. I have no money, so I can't do anything. Okay, so leave that town. I go to the bigger town. I go talk to a bunch of people. I'm there for like five minutes. I'm like, I'm done talking to people. Like this is insane. I just I want to figure out where to go. And then in the the second major town, there's this lady who's standing in front of the inn. And when you talk to her, she calls you rebellions. I think is is what she says. <laughs> and then she fights you. Yeah, she says rebellions. I, I think it was rebellions. I remember thinking like, what the hell is she talking about? She fights you, and she one hit my whole party again. And, and I'm like what the hell so i go south i get destroyed i go north i get destroyed okay so i start cutting west i'm walking out in the marshlands i'm getting some good experience i'm saving occasionally just in case and yeah i get in a fight with these wiz i get in a fight with wiz ogres i think and they a we one shot my whole party again and i'm like I i'm not that far from the town like if, if you were to not be in combat as you're walking any of the directions we're talking 30 seconds tops I i'm not going like extremely far out there and <laughs> you know crossing multiple different terrains and crossing bridges <laughs> and all this crazy stuff right right i feel like i'm still in the starting area and it it's just crazy and, and the worst part about it is it's not like it's it's not as if i'm close to them like it's a good fight they're just destroying me i'm doing zero damage to them <laughs> i'm missing and they're just annihilating me it's not it's not a fair fight and I'm just I'm like really confused by this. So I'm like, okay, screw it. I'll just stay in the baby area. So I like circle this this town over and over and over. Mobs running away. Forgot to mention, by the way, when oh every whenever you finish a battle, all of your characters run uh, horizontally across the screen as like a, a battle finisher, like a you know it plays the the Final Fantasy battle <laughs> battle theme music, which is cool. The problem is when you're grinding, it's really annoying because you're basically just watching this happen over and over and over. And it gets really, it gets really redundant, right? Because you're basically doing the same thing. Um, I will say as well, combat frequency seems very high in this game. When I was walking around trying to explore the first few times before I died oh, every time, yeah. the battle frequency seems like they just took the dial and just twisted it to the max and broke it. I like, kind of felt it, the same way on the on the ported version. Yeah, it, it's just it's 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 annoying and it's it's really frustrating because the one thing that somebody said this a long time ago, I read this online, and they were talking about random battle encounters and how annoying it is because if you're thinking right if you're like imagine you're you're playing like pokemon or or final fantasy right as, as example we're talking about and you're walking around you're like oh i need to go do this thing i'm gonna walk toward, boom you get a battle you lose your train of thought yeah and then you finish the battle and you're like oh yeah what was i doing oh yeah and then you walk two steps to get another fight at a certain point your brain's just like bro <laughs> i'm done like like i can't keep doing this over and over and it's just I, I totally agree with that i feel like it just derails the train of thought Especially when yep. the the battle frequencies has like, you know, we're talking five seconds it is it would be good uh, based on how frequently it felt like I was getting in fights in this game. So, are the how are the graphics? It's same, literally the same. Okay. I, I don't think there's really any difference that I could see between the two games. Like they actually, I take that back. They did update some of the character models a little bit, but it's not like whoa, like this is real. This is like crazy. It's like. It's okay. It's it's nothing nothing to write home about. If you like, so for instance, so for me, I really like just the kind of eight bit style. I like the I like that way that the first one looks. Is this more or less the same? same? Kind of. It, okay. It's it's very similar. It's okay. very very similar. And I also want to say, and I was really disappointed by this. Uh, the music sucks. The music really sucks. <laughs> Uh, it, it really does. It, like the first, I, I like the music in the first one, right? So the battle music in the first one's great. It's got a good pacing to it. Starts off slow, picks up, and it, you know it's it feels very 
like you're in combat. It's got a good it's got a good beat to it. The open world music's good. It's exciting. You have the the um the airship music, which is great. Sure. And then you have the the music inside the dungeons, which is cool. It's just I feel like the music of Final Fantasy One was very strong, like a very strong uh, oh, yeah. soundtrack. Two is bad. It's really bad. The combat music, I'll actually share it with you because I actually want you to hear this because I would love to get your opinion on this. All right. Let's um, it. it it is really weak. It doesn't make sense. Battle scene and, one. Is that what it's called? Oh, this is definitely not. This is way better. I pulled up a few. Let me find the right one because yeah, I'll make sure it's right. Okay. So here's the overall music. I don't hate this, but it's not great. Okay. It starts off strong, and it kind of falls oh off. Oh my right. gosh, I remember this. This is oh yeah. Oh, it's not that. It's it gets old fast. It gets old really quick. It, it'll. It, it, this is a three minute track, and it sounds the same all the way through. Now I will say this: the, the theme we're listening to right now is the overall music. I will say one thing it does excite me about is it reminds me of Golden Sun. Golden Sun had some very similar soundtracks to that that I really like, and so I was like, it was give me some, some. Uh, I was kind of excited about that. I cannot find this music. I do remember is really getting the tired redone of this. Ones. Here, here, tell me if this is it. I think I found it. I think I found it. Yeah, this just doesn't sound like battle music to me. Okay, let's see. It's all over the place. Honestly, I don't mind this one. <laughs> I hate when it gets to 20 seconds. I really hate that part. 20 seconds? Alright, hold on. And then We're 25 seconds, it gets worse. We're at 20 right now. I kind of like that. <laughs> really? Yeah. So, so Lisa brought up a really good point. At the 25 second mark, it sounds like a telephone. And I totally agree <laughs> that was, with that. Yeah, that was, it sounds okay. like a telephone's ringing. That was the very last part that I played. Yeah. Yep. Um, just, just not a fan. Just, just, and, and it's, it's the battle music. So you're hearing the first, you know, 45 seconds of that over and over. And you know, over. I do think it did get, uh, now that you say that, like, listen to it now. I'm like, yeah, this is good. I do remember it. And, but now, but I also remember once you hear that over and over, this particular song does get pretty old. Yeah. So, needless to say, not a great game. Um, and I'm really disappointed because I wanted to get a lot further into it. I, I honestly wanted to beat it. I, I was one of the, I, was, I got up on on a Sunday and I was like, you know what? I really just want to play through and try and beat Final Fantasy II. And <laughs> I got into it. And I, I put like an hour and a half into it. I'm just like, oh, this is tough. Let me take a break and I'll come back. Maybe I'm just not playing well. And then I ended up trying it again. I played for like 30, 40 minutes. I just kept having the same experience. I'm like, all right, I'm buying Hades. But- <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of this experiment. Yeah, uh, it's. I did not like the game either. It is rough. It, it, it there's like usually there's something in a Final Fantasy game that keeps me going. You know, there's either the combat's kind of interesting, the characters are interesting in the story, or um, something. It, there's something going on that keeps my attention. And this game just was an absolute snore fest. There was nothing to it that, that kept my attention. Um, one thing also that I remember is that later on, I, I, I don't know, maybe this is early too. I'm not sure. But I, I do remember, especially later, the the dungeons are so annoying to navigate through. They are just ridiculously, like they're basically almost just like mazes, every one of them. 
Yes. And it gets so annoying trying to trying to get through a dungeon. And of course, with, coupled with the frequent random encounters, it's uh, even more annoying. Yeah, I, I was actually looking forward to that a little bit. I was like, I don't mind a good grind, right? At the end of the day, I really don't mind a good grind. But mm-hmm. yeah, this was uh, not the one for me. By any means. So would you say this is your least favorite Final Fantasy that you've played? Yeah, I would even say more than eight for sure. I think it's it, it is really missing something for me. Yeah, yeah. This it, this was definitely a rough one. It sounds to me, and just tell me if this is true or not, but it sounds to me that eight may be a bad game, but it has at least some redeeming things about yeah, it. For sure, there's certain things that keep me entertained while going through it. Uh huh. Yeah, I can agree with that statement. That's okay, a fair, fair statement. All right. Was did you say you had another one, or is or is that it? Yeah. So I also so I I got a hold. I finally got a hold of uh, playing the uh, SNES emulator on the Switch. So one of the oh, things cool. I talked about. Yeah, it's it's really good. The only problem is like uh, you have to be online to use it. Uh, or there, there's like something no, to do you, with don't, you have to be on. You have oh, sorry, to. You don't have to, but you have to have been online the past two days or a week or I think it's like two days or something like that. It's like every yeah. time you go online, then it like restarts the countdown and if and it'll let you do it for two days. And then if it's been two days without a connection, then you got to get on again. Yeah. Which, which is kind of, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not necessarily on my switch all the time. So I, that part was kind of irritating me a little bit because I would log on and be like, Oh, I have to go like, I have to reconnect it or I need to make sure to get to some form of internet access. Cause I, I don't, I'm not always connected to like, usually I take my switch to the car or go to my parents' house and stuff. So it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of annoying to deal with that, but not a big deal. Um, so I, I started, one of the things I talked about for my new year's resolution is I want to try some of the randomizers for uh, a game, and specifically, I mentioned Link to the Past. So I wanted to play through the game uh, beforehand, before I started playing in the ra- any of the randomizers, just because you know I just wanted to get a feel for the game. It's been it's been a long it's been a while since I've like really sat down and played through that game and really enjoyed it. The last time I played played it, I I kind of sprinted through it. I, I wanted to try and get through it as fast as I could, uh, and I started playing. I'm I, I'm probably like seven or eight hours in right now, and it's it's incredible. It is. It is one of those games you hear about. You're like, oh yeah, it still holds up really well. And it is there's there's nothing more truthful. It is <laughs> incredible. Like this game is is from Super Nintendo. The soundtrack is great. The story is simplistic yet very exciting and kind of enticing. It starts off very strong, just kind of leading you into it, and it really it, it it's very. I will say I really like how they queued the game up because one of the, one of my complaints for Zelda games growing up when I was really young is when I, when I played like Majora's Mask and Link to the Past and Ocarina of Times, I lost, uh, I, I I would get lost a lot. I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to figure out where to go as a kid. You know, I'm, I'm talking when I was like ten or eleven years old, so I, I was you know probably not reading. Or no, I, I was I was definitely not reading everything that I should be and not paying attention to everything. So at times I would get super lost and then I'd be grinding my way around trying to figure out what to do. This game does such a great job of putting on training wheels in the early parts of it and then just kind of adding pieces to it over time. I feel like the ramp up period for Link to the Past is just, it's so perfectly executed. You know, the game starts, it tells you very specifically where to go and what you need to do. Then from there, it gives you like general general suggestions like, hey, why don't you go to the town and talk to this person or go talk to these people within the town. And then the whole way there, 
it's just, you know, you're off exploring. You're trying to figure out if there's any secrets, if you can blow up this wall, if you can blow up that wall, if you can chop down this tree, if you can, you know, find all these different holes that are available to get extra hearts or bombs or whatever it is. And it's great because as you progress through the game and you acquire more tools, you have to just keep revisiting areas. But it's kind of fun because it's, you know, it's 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 one of those Zelda games where you're going to be revisiting areas over and over and over. So when you get a new tool like the bomb or you get the Zora slippers or anything that allows you access to for, further um, further secrets, it's kind of exciting because you're like, oh, now that I have the, the glove, I can pick up these big stones. Oh, well, that opens up this ability. I need to revisit these areas and look for that. And it's kind of cool because the, you have that going on. You have the main story going on, which is well done. They don't tell you exactly what to do or well, they kind of do. They they tell you where to generally go, and then you just kind of have to figure it out from there. And I really appreciate it because you know this this in this game in particular, the world that you're in at the beginning is sort of those training wheels. the The objective is you go to try to save the princess, then you go to the town, interact with people, you find out you need to collect the three necklaces. Okay, the three necklaces are really the end of the training wheels, right? It, it gives you a very soft touch of getting involved, understanding mechanics of the game. You go through clear these three dungeons and then now you can go to the past and the game is it's it's more challenging it's a little more brutal it's a little less forgiving uh but it's still it's still a lighthearted zelda game at the same time um and one thing that i've really enjoyed so far is i've been very focused on on like my resource management making sure i always have fairies with me and making sure i have bombs and i'm almost always money capped i'm always almost always at uh cap of money and it's made the game really enjoyable because anytime I want something or I see something, I'm like, screw it. I have the money or I have the, <laughs> the, the, the tools that I need to, to access these different areas. And it's pretty cool. And I, I've, I've had a lot of fun revisiting areas and trying to figure things out, especially there are these littler hints that you'll get throughout the game. Like, hey, if you check this waterfall, waterfall in this area, you might find a secret if you can, if you can find the waterfall or just like really semi-vague comments that are made by, by some of the people you interact with, which is kind of cool. Um, and then the dungeons themselves. The dungeons have a good variety of mechanics to them. They keep adding new and new, more and more features to it that ultimately kind of add on to each other, very similar to how your tools interact with the game. Um, the boss fights are pretty fun. They're not overly challenging. And it's not one of those situations where you get to the boss and you're limping and there's no way you can kill the boss. It's it's like, okay, I made it to the boss. If I pace myself and learn the mechanics, I should be able to beat this, you know, even with half, half a health bar of life or whatever it is. Um, yeah, it's super fun so far. I I, I really want to... So I'm, I'm progressing through this pretty quickly, to be honest with you. I've been playing over the last several days now. And I, I want to beat this, and then I want to start trying some of the, trying to do some of the randomizer emulators. So right now I'm playing on my Switch, but I'm going to obviously switch over to my computer when I do some of the randomizers. But I'm kind of excited to do it. I don't know Link to the Past that well. Like I, I, don't, I don't really know any Zelda game well enough to where it's like, oh, do you know where this item is from the game? It's like, no, but like as I play through it, I'll figure it out, right? Like I don't know where right. all the different items are. So I'm kind of excited because I feel like it'll be very similar to the first time I played Link to the Past where I really didn't know where anything was. And it was just a matter of me exploring and trying to figure things out over and over and over. And I I'm kind of excited for that because you know there's always the opportunity to keep changing it, keep adding new uh, features to it or, or new ra new um, randomizer files to see what I can get out of it. And, and if I enjoy this, I think I may expand doing this into other games as well. But I feel like this game in particular is going to be really fun to do it in because the way that the randomizers are built, it's like even the tiniest caves that don't really matter in the main game may turn out to be something that's critically important to your success. And I'm kind of curious to see how that works and, and how you have to kind of work around that. I think it'll be pretty darn exciting. But um, 
all said and done, Link to the Past, still an incredible game. The music's great. Uh, the gameplay is just phenomenal. I love the interactions with the, the monsters, the different types of monsters there are. All the tools are great. Uh, all, the, all the tools, when I say tools, I mean like the weapons and, and such. And, like and really the, like just the grappling hook thing and all that kind of stuff that you got to get. I haven't, I haven't got the grappling hook. I think that's actually in the next place. Right now, I think, what was the last item I got? I think the last item I got was... Oh, I got the mirror. The mirror that I can go back and forth between the past and the, the present time. Oh, okay. That is that is the last thing that I did. And I just got unturned from the bunny. And I'm in, I think I'm entering <laughs> the first first dungeon in the dark world. So uh I'm trying to think what else. Oh, the the main screen for this game is so good, by the way. Because when you when you save on the switch, it takes you you have to save and quit, and then it brings you back to the main screen. The intro for this game is so hyped, man. It, it, it's so great. It's very simplistic. It's got, you know, the upbeat uh, upbeat music to it. It's got a good visuals to it. It's just it's just well executed, especially for the time. The The intro for this game is is really on point. I wish, I wish I liked it as much as I did when I was little. Oh, you don't like that much anymore? Yeah, I don't really like it that much anymore. I played it uh, maybe a year and a half, two, probably about two years ago for the podcast, and I didn't... Mm. I didn't really like the dungeon, mostly the, like a lot of it was the dungeons. I really just didn't enjoy the dungeons. And obviously that's a big part of it. Um, I mean, music's fantastic. Graphics are fantastic. It does have good pro- progression. Like you said, like where you kind of get more, more and more things that allow you to, you know, it's like Metroid style almost, you know, you get yeah. new things that allow you to get to new places and all that's cool. But I really hated the dungeons and that really kind of, soured me on the whole thing I, I can understand that you know, the dungeons aren't, aren't uh the best i i enjoy them I, I will say i've enjoyed them so far um i have kind of blown my way through them very quickly once i understand the basic mechanics of it i'm like okay this is what i need to do and i generally don't have too many too many issues with it from there yeah um one other oh sorry do you, do you want to say anything else about link to the past no so I, I've been craving some RTS action and I've been kind of depressed about the fact that, you know, Starcraft's coming to an end and Blizzard's not going to do any further updates for it. Um, and because I've been trying to find some more RP or more RTSs that will interest me, that, that, that I'd be interested in. So I've been watching a lot of Age of Empires 2. Age of Empires 2 has a massive scene. A ma- There's a $50,000 tournament that's going mm-hmm. on for Age of Empires 2. Wow. Yeah, and I've been watching it a ton, and it's it's really fun. They, there's there's uh, commentators are starting to get really involved in it, and the commentators are good. They do a great job of explaining what's going on because I don't really understand Age of Empires that well. I played the game; I could probably beat a lot of people at it, but I'm not like I've never practiced and and built up how to do builds and what is what are the key things to do with uh, Age of Empires. You know, I just know basic basic RTS strategies, but the yeah, way yeah. That they explain these games and the back and forth, it's it's very similar. It feels very similar to chess. It, it, the way that they talk about it, because it, it is a game that's very balanced around how you commit your resources. If you overextend one way, then your other way is going to fail. But if you're okay with that and you know you can win off that, like it, it just the balance in the game is really impressive. And obviously, there's there's a uh, micro involved, right? Because it's it's an RTS and there's always some form of micro involved. But it really does seem like a lot of the game is built around how you how you strategize how your macro is and how you adapt. The micro is is still important, but it seems like those three things are way more important. And I've really enjoyed that because I I've never been a huge micro player. Like I can do it at times, but I truly enjoy, you know, macro strategy and adapting. So I, at a certain point I may start playing Age of Empires 2 again, 
but I'm really enjoying just absorbing really good players competing against each other. It's it's very entertaining to watch. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Jay. Is that, is that going to wrap it up for your stuff, or do you have anything else? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Let's, uh, let's, let me see. Let's talk about, I got three games. One of them's pretty short. One of them's pretty medium. One of them's a little bit longer than medium. First one, let's do the short one first. I played Space Invaders. Oh, cool. So originally Space Invaders came out in 1978 in the arcade. Doesn't that seem like, it doesn't seem like any video game should have come out before 1980. I mean, I know, know, right? I know obviously many did, but um, it just doesn't seem right. But uh, that was when Space Invaders originally came out. I played the Atari version, the Atari 2600 version, which came out in 1980. And, you know, everybody knows Space Invaders. There's, there's really not much to say about it. It's um, if somehow, somehow you're not familiar with Space Invaders, it's the classic game where there are, there's like a block of, I don't know, 40 bad guys at the top of the screen and they are slowly moving from side to side. And when they reach, when like the whole block, it's when the whole block of bad guys gets to one side of the screen, they shift down a few pixels and then they slowly march to the other side. And when they get there, they get moved in a little bit more. So they're, so they're kind of slowly getting closer and closer to the bottom of the screen where you are. You are a little spaceship at the bottom of the screen. You're shooting at them, trying to kill them all before they get down to you. That's the whole entire game. You, you kill them all. You go into the next level, which is the exact same thing happening over and over again. So it's a score chaser. And honestly, this was much harder than I anticipated. I remembered when I was little playing this game, having like a little bit of trouble with it now and then, but it was like, I had problems getting past the first level. Uh, and, and I'm not sure if it speeds up or anything on other levels or if they're all exactly the same, but it took me probably 10 tries to get past the first level. Uh, because they start going faster as you kill more of them. Oh yeah. So by the time you get down to one, this is like, like he's really, you really have to like lead your shots quite a bit to, to be, to be able to hit them. And, uh, I even found myself strategizing. I, I, I figured out that you, it's best to kill the ones on the edges first because, then it takes them longer to get to the edge of the screen. So like if you kill, like for instance, everybody on the right, the far right edge of the block of monsters, it takes them longer to reach that edge of the screen. So it gives you a little bit more time before they move down one. Uh, so just like little things like that. Um, <laughs> really? I was not expecting to have to give any thought to this whatsoever or really to have any trouble with it whatsoever. So honestly, I was kind of impressed. You know, it's a very, very basic game. I didn't play it for very long. I played it for maybe 30 minutes. That's that's like twice as long as I expected to play it for. So uh wow. I was kind of impressed, you know, based on my expectations. So that's it. That's it. That's all there is for Space Invaders. Next game I played, going back to the 3DO. Uh Wing Commander 3 Heart of the Tiger. This came out in 1994 for PC. Uh, I think it was released at the same time for 3DO. I don't know if it was a little bit later that it came to 3DO or not. Eventually, I believe it came to PS1 also. And this is the game that our listener Jeffrey sent to me <laughs> after he heard that I was getting, uh, after I said on the podcast I was getting 3DO, he sent me this game. So thanks again, Jeffrey. 
because uh, I really like the Wing Commander games. Up until now, I had played the first two, and I really like the first one. The second one, I I actually don't really remember. I think I liked it, but not quite as much as the first. And I really wanted to play this one. I had kind of been putting it off for a while, but when when Jeffrey sent it to me, I was like, now's the time. And one thing that I was surprised about, so so the Wing Commander games are space dogfight simulators, okay? So just in the same vein as TIE Fighter, X-Wing, and those games, it's it aims to be, you know, kind of simulation-ish, kind of realistic, and you're flying around in a spaceship shooting uh, bad guys who are also flying around in spaceships trying to get you. It's and it all is in 3D space. So, you know, it feels fairly realistic when you're when you're playing it. Um I was surprised at how how much I did like it because anytime I've ever played one of these games, I've used a joystick. That's kind of just the way that you play this type of game. Because you because the joystick helps you navigate in 3D space a lot more easily. It gives you the feel of of flying a spaceship and it also has a bunch of buttons which you typically need for for games like this you need buttons for for targeting what's in front of you or cycling through targets or switching weapons or firing missiles versus firing lasers for adjusting the throttle for matching speed for for uh what else like i don't know any number of other things um and so i i didn't know how well this would translate to playing with a controller but what I found was that I was much more, uh, it was a lot easier to pick up and play because I don't just have a joystick sitting out at my computer, you know, all day long. It takes up a lot of space. So it's like kind of a minor ordeal whenever I want to play TIE Fighter or something like that. It's like, all right, well, let me get out the joystick, plug it in, make sure Windows can recognize it and all this stuff, then launch it. Let me move my keyboard around and try to find a space to fit my uh, joystick in front of my keyboard and all this kind of stuff. Well, on the 3D, I was like, no, let's pull out the controller, pop it in, sit back in a chair and just play for a little bit. And it made me more prone to just be like, oh, I've got 15 minutes. Yeah, let's let's play. Uh, let's see if I can get through a mission on, on Wing Commander 3. And it works surprisingly well. It's, uh, you know, there are some things that are that are a little bit less, uh, I guess, that don't work quite, you know, it's not ideal. It's not the best way to play. The best way to play is to have a joystick. But for me, the trade-off was not bad at all. The, the convenience of not having to use a joystick was really maybe even outweighed the the the, the downsides of of not having you know twelve buttons at my disposal, and uh, you know having to use the D-pad instead of instead of moving the joystick around. It really was not too bad. I kind of liked it. Uh, the way they get they get around not having buttons is there are a ton of button combinations. So to target things, you press, I think it's R and B or something like that. And R and A does something and L and A does something else and L and C does something else. So it's like you press, even I think they use the, like the start button. Like I think if you press up and start, that does something. So it does take a little bit of time to learn all this stuff, but it's really not too bad. And they really handled it, I think, pretty much as well as you could have. With all that, they still have all the functionality. Do you just have to remember? Okay, it's L and A to change which type of laser I'm firing, for instance, and that kind of stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. I started choking. Yeah, I started choking for some reason. <clears throat> um, 
And and so aside from just the controls, the 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 gameplay is solid. It's just as good as any of the other ones. You're flying around flying bad guys, so you're in a mission and it'll say, you know, this is an escort mission, we gotta protect this ship, or you know, it's this is a uh, like kind of a perimeter check mission. Just go around to these points, and if there's any bad guys there, kill them. You know, 90% of the time, what it comes down to is, up oh, there's bad guys, let's kill as many as we can. But they do, you know, provide as much variety as they're able to. Um, and there's, it's, it's, one thing that I like about these games is that it's not, it doesn't, and I, I think I've said this before about the other ones, it doesn't just throw you into battles. It's like, here's your mission, go check out these waypoints. And there might be, you might be flying around for a couple minutes without really anything happening. And for me, that's fine because it really adds to the feel of like, oh, I really am doing a mission. I'm not just in a video game level, you know? Mm. Uh, But at the same time, they do a really cool thing with that where if you do get tired of just flying around for a couple minutes without anything to do, there's an autopilot button. I think it's, I don't know, fucking A and start or something like that. And when you do that, it kind of shows a quick cutscene of your uh, ship flying through space. And then it just immediately takes you to the next encounter. So you don't actually have to wait through it if you don't feel like it. So all of that is really well done. The gameplay is superb. The missions are not too difficult, except for I, I did hit a few that were kind of hard. Um, usually they're 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 pretty well balanced, so they're not super easy. Maybe they are. Maybe they do lean a little bit more toward easy than they do hard, but I. There, there. It's it's nice to be able to play this and and be able to kill plenty of bad guys. Still have to put forth an effort, but also not get frustrated. There were a couple levels that were tough, uh, including the last level, which I could not beat. I could Whoa. not. I could not complete the last level. I I played it probably twenty times, and it's just a hard level, and I couldn't beat it. Um, but I felt okay about. Well, to some extent, I felt okay about that because. I don't know if you remember, but one of the other cool things about the Wing Commander games is that they have branching paths based on whether you win or lose, uh, whether you you know complete or fail missions. So if you lose a mission, as long as you don't get killed, so if you get close to being killed, you can eject. And that means, all right, you're out, you lost the mission, but you're alive and you can still keep going. And the story has branching paths based on whether you complete missions or not. If you die, then, you know, that's, that's a whole different thing. It shows a cutscene of, you know, them uh, of like, I think I forgot exactly. I don't remember if it shows your, I don't remember what it shows. I remember in the earlier ones, it shows like your coffin being shot out into space. I, I don't actually remember what it does on this one, but, uh, but regardless, you can fail a mission and that's okay. And it goes to just a different branching path of the story which is really cool especially for for games this old that, that most games like never did anything like this um but that's true even for the last mission if you fail it then it takes your then it takes you hostage the, the, the guys like capture you the bad guys capture you and not, not take you hostage but take you prisoner and uh and they and basically they kill you <laughs> they say uh there's like they're they've been trying to catch you this whole time. It's like, oh, now we finally got you. What do you have to say? And you can kind of either like plead for mercy or be or pretty much say like fuck you. And but either way, they end up killing you. Is they they kill you a different way, regardless. Uh, they, they they kill you a different a different way based on what you say. Like if you 
if you say like screw you or whatever, whatever it is, then they do like a quick death. But if you ask for mercy, then they're like so disappointed in you that they do a more like gruesome death. Uh, Sounds like real life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So good gameplay. The controls are great. The branching path, the branching story paths are still cool. But on top of all that is a lot of our listeners probably already know this. So the, so the story is told with uh with live action, um, full motion video scenes. And the main character who's your character is played by Mark Hamill. And it is so much fun watching him act because obviously, I mean, being famous for star Wars, as we all know, that kind of made him not very marketable to anything besides star Wars throughout his career. Who did he play in star Wars? (laughs) Um, he played Darth Vader. Uh, okay. Spoilers. But, um, but like Mark Hamill was actually, I think this gets overlooked a lot. He was actually a really, really good actor. Not only in the Star Wars movies, but in the few other things that he ever did do. Like, he is a really good actor. And so it's really fun to see him kind of get a chance to to act again uh, in something from around the same time, you know, as when he was in Star Wars. He does a fantastic job. Everything just, he, he like, I don't know. He just, he, he does a good job not only of just acting, but also playing a character that basically is up to you to decide what the character's like, because you have interactions with other characters and often you get to choose how to respond to this or that situation. And he does a 100% convincing job of, you know, doing the lines, whatever line you choose, whether it's one or the other, whether it's beg for mercy or say, screw you, or whether it's, you know, get angry at this person or just kind of let it go or whatever he does. Like he makes it sound equally convincing either way. Every line he does is fantastic. And uh, so the game also has Malcolm McDowell, but he's only in like the first 30 seconds or so. But um, so obviously all the other characters that you're inter- interacting with are also uh, live action. You know, they're, they're real actors playing their, their roles and they do a pretty good job too. One of the, uh, so there are a bunch of other pilots and you can, like there are four or five that you can choose as your uh, wingman and you can change that every mission. Say I want you on my wing this time or whatever, because uh, the the guy you're playing as Mark Hamill's character is the uh, what's his what's his uh, position a commander or something like that of the uh, he's not the captain of the ship, but he's kind of the head pilot and he's the one who gives everybody their he, he like you go and talk to the captain he says all right we got this mission and then you're in charge of all right getting everybody together telling them what the mission is. And going. So he gets to pick who's on his uh, wing. So every time after you give a mission, then you choose who you want to say is on your wing. One of the guys is the guy who plays Biff in Back to the Future. Really? <laughs> yes. And you and you have, you know, besides just choosing him as your wingman, you have interaction with all these characters uh, throughout the game. And he just play. he basically plays the same. He basically plays Biff. The spaceship pilot. <laughs> he, That's awesome. Just like this obnoxious douchebag. Uh, but yes, it is awesome. It's really funny. Uh, and and so there's in between missions, you have uh, you know interactions with other 
with other pilots. You can go around to the rec room or uh, like the the bridge and just kind of like there are three or four different rooms that you can go in that are kind of non-essential, but you just go there just to just to talk to people if you want to. But at the same time, it's all optional. So if you don't give a shit about that stuff, you don't have to. Normally, I don't. But because honestly, mostly because of Mark Hamill, I did every interaction I could. And they, and they were all, you know, the story that you get out of these thing out of these little interactions is not great but it's really done pretty well and the acting uh, you know a lot of times in games like this you expect it to be super corny it's really not they really did a good job with it so i mean honestly pretty solid game overall like i, I really enjoyed it despite not being able to beat the final mission maybe if i you know put more time into it i could have but uh i really enjoyed it overall oh and the um they on they actually did a surprisingly not bad job with the Kilrothi. So the Kilrothi in the Wing Commander series are the bad guys, more or less. And they're this race of kind of uh, like lion people. And so what that means is for the Kilrothi in this game, they had to do lion people costumes. And they actually don't look too bad. They don't look, wow. they don't look great, but they really don't look terrible. You would expect them to be laughably bad, you know? But um, they're really not. They really they're 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 not terrible. So uh, yeah, super solid. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. I really had a lot of fun playing this game, playing it, watching the cutscenes. Um, it was it's a really good kind of a uh, game to to kind of get the most out of the 3DO. I feel like like it really was a it really was a fun one to play. So so thanks again, Jeffrey. Okay, what else? Oh, oh, one other thing that I forgot to mention last time about the 3DO in general. You know, a lot of the games I said do rely on full motion, on live action full motion video scenes, whether it's for just cut scenes or whether it's to kind of implement it into the gameplay. It's very similar to the Sega CD in that regard. But one thing about the 3DO is the, the, the FMV is so much better looking than Sega CD. It's it's the the resolution is just a hundred times better. On Sega CD, it's it's very grainy. A lot of the stuff just really is is really low res. And uh but on but on this it really looks pretty good. So that's that's another really cool thing that I've been enjoying just in general about about the 3DO. Alright, I got one more. You, can you handle it? 100 percent You played Final Fantasy 2. Oh, I played Final Fantasy four. This is so in my quest to play all of the uh, Final Fantasy games in order. This is where I am now. I like one, as you know, I hated two and three. Now it's time for four. This is uh, this was so Final Fantasy four. A lot of our listeners probably know was released in the United States as Final Fantasy two. This was the first Super Nintendo Final Fantasy game. Came out in 1991. Um, I'll say right off the bat, this is diff out of out of from playing from playing them in order out of one, two, three, and four. This is definitely the best one yet out of the first four. Wow, no doubt about it. Uh, so the gimmick of this one, is, so you know, one is you know we're obviously where it got started. It kind of had some some quirks, kind of. Uh, as, as it compares to later Final Fantasy games, but I, but I did like it. Kind of the gimmick of, of the second one was 
how you talked about the, the characters don't have classes. They just get better with whatever you equip them with more or less and whatever you use them for those particular stats, those particular skills go up and they're kind of customizable in a, in that way. They're kind of like overly customizable to a point that it's not that interesting, I guess. With, with no explanation. If there was a good explanation behind it, we could, we could talk. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and as you said, that, that was also the one where uh, you have three characters who are in your party the whole time. And then the fourth character changes throughout the game. Final Fantasy three, the gimmick was kind of uh, that you, uh, you have the job system. So what the job system was is basically just, you can change your class. So you change, you frequently change characters, classes throughout the game. You unlock new classes that was kind of the thing there. The gimmick of this one is that you there's no customization of the characters whatsoever. You're, whatever the character's class is, which is predetermined by the game, that's what they are, and that doesn't change. But kind of similar to 2, there's constant change-up of your, of your party. And it's not just one slot of the party. It's kind of everybody except for one character changes throughout the game. There are a couple that become uh, common throughout the game. Even if they don't stick with you 100% of the game, they're there for most of it. And then as you get closer to the end, it does sort of solidify a little bit more. But the const- but the party does constantly change throughout the game. And also there's there you have five characters in your party as opposed to four, which is different from maybe any... It's, it's different from any of the ones that I've played, for sure. So... Um, First thing is, it looks really good. Especially being the first Super Nintendo one. It doesn't look as good as Final Fantasy VI, which is off, which is also Super Nintendo. Obviously, they had time to kind of figure out the, you know, how to, how to utilize Super Nintendo's graphics a little bit better by that point. But overall, it does look really good. Um, you start, uh, another interesting thing about this is besides the, the chain, the, 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 the party constantly changing and, and you not really have any, control over the uh the classes or anything like that you start off with with leveled characters the main character when you start off with him i think he's at level 10 and then the other guy you're with is 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 you know not high level but you know he's roughly or somewhere around the same as well i believe if i, if I remember correctly and um throughout the game the the different characters you get are so cecil is the main character he starts off actually as a dark knight but eventually, as as part of the you know as part of the story unfolds, he, he learns he has to become a paladin to defeat like the evil bad guy that's trying to take over the world. So he becomes a paladin. Uh, so there is a change there, but it's not a change that you have any control over. There's a another one of the main characters is Kane, who is a dragoon. There's Rosa, who is a white mage. There's Rydia, who is a summoner slash black mage. They call her a caller in this game. That's cool, man. Yeah. And then, so those are some of the main ones. And then some of the <clears throat> lesser ones that kind of don't stick with you for very long are, there's a there's a mage named Tella, and he, he has white mage and black mage spells. There's a guy named Edward, who's a bard. There's a guy named Yang, who is a karate man, <laughs> which is this game's name for monk. <laughs> there <Karate> are... Karate man. <laughs> it's great. There are two twins named Palome and Param, and they are white mage. One's a white mage, one's a black mage. 
There's Sid, of course. He's kind of just like he Sid's really not in your party for very long. He's kind of a melee character. There is Edge, who you don't get until probably a little over halfway through, but then he sticks with you for the rest of the game. So he is kind of one of the main ones. He's a uh, he's a ninja ninja character. So in the Final Fantasy terms, that basically means he can dual wield. He also has some spells that are pretty good, like that that are ninja specific. Um, and then finally, there's a guy named Fusoya, who's kind of a really powerful mage. He's also he also has white mage and black mage spells, uh, tons of spells, but but low low MP. You get him late in the game for for a short period of time. So the main ones again are Cecil, the Paladin, Rosa, the White Mage, Ridia, the Summoner, Kane, the Dragoon, and Edge, the Ninja. Kane kind of comes in and out throughout the ser- throughout the game, and Edge joins at the very, uh, not at the very end, joins a little over halfway through and sticks with you for the, through the rest of the game. So this, this game is really the first one. Well, I guess out of, out of all these so far, this feels the most like a modern final fantasy game. You know, um, final fantasy three was a little weird in that you're changing classes constantly. Final fantasy two is just weird in a lot of ways. Final Fantasy 1 is different from a lot of the ones nowadays in that you pick, you know, your party's classes from the start and that's what you stick with for the whole game as well as the spell slot system instead of an MP system was weird. This one is where I feel like I feel like they gradually get closer and closer to what we think of a Final Fantasy game as today and this one is definitely kind of the closest so far. Uh, this one, this one is really where I start to feel like, okay, this is, this is what I expect Final Fantasy to be like. Uh, there's, there's no buying spells like there are in, I guess, I don't know if it was all the previous ones or if it was just one and two, but you know, on those games, in those games, you buy spells. The, yeah. This one, you just get spells as you level up. Um, it's turn-based, of course. I think there may be like an invisible, uh, ATB gauge, uh, what Jay? Remind me. I know what it is, but I can't remember what ATB stands for. Uh, is it active turn base? Active turn base. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's turn based, but it se- it seemed like if you don't do anything for a while, then it's kind of like it'll be like up, oh, times up, and then it'll let the bad guys attack. So I think there's a little bit of that, but but generally speaking, it, it's pretty much you can think of it as a turn based game. Random encounters, all that. It's got airships, of course. There are. Actually, three airships in this one. Wow. And you have to use them for different things. So sometimes you have to like park one and go get another one. And then like when you need the other, when you need the, the previous one, then you have to fly around the map and find where you left it. It's really weird. There's in fact, there's kind of like three and a half. So you get one basic airship. And then later you get an airship that can, that has a drill on the front. And that's the one that you can go underground with. There's a whole, there's a whole underground map that you can go to and you need that one to get there. And then later you get a hovercraft, which is, which can go over certain parts of water and you need that to get to certain cave entrances. So that's kind of the half one. Cause it's not really an airship, but it's a vehicle you need to get to certain places and it can be carried by the first airship. So sometimes you need to take that one somewhere. So you get in the first airship, then go over to the hovercraft. 
hover over it, and, uh, hover over the hovercraft and press A and like a little claw comes down and picks up the hovercraft. Then you fly around, drop down the hovercraft wherever it needs to go, then land the airship, then get in the hovercraft and take it somewhere. <laughs> and then later in the game, you get a spaceship that can take you to the moon. And so, uh, yeah, they really went all out on the airships in this one. Um, what else? Cool monsters, cool summons. Like if even the even the not good Final Fantasy games, I feel always do a good job of having cool looking monsters and uh, often cool looking summons as well. So and and this one has that as well. It's got cool monsters, it's got cool summons. I like also that it has the optional summons that you can get just like you know for the sake of it or just for having a power, another powerful one like Leviathan and Bahamut. Of course, are kind of like the classic ones. What else? This one has uh, Odin is another optional one. It's got the um, you know it's got the it's got the basic Final Fantasy summons, but not all. But you don't automatically get all of them. Some of them are only if you go and you know defeat them, then you get them as a summon optionally. So I really like. I don't know something about the optional bosses in Final Fantasy has always been a big draw for me. I really like that there are bosses that you don't have to do but you can and then you get super powerful stuff if you beat them um what else oh one cool thing is that you actually have to think more in battles in this one than you do in pretty much any of the other final fantasies so far i feel like it's really a lot of the previous ones are just 99 percent of it is just melee 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 and then heal when you when you need to and then even your mage, you're kind of just saving him up for, or at least this is the way I play the black mage type characters. Often I'm just saving them up for boss battles. Is that how, is that how you play or is that just me? Uh, in the earlier ones, I would generally use like big boy, what I call big boy AOE spells. I would use those on the more difficult trash, but yeah, I would try to conserve some of my magic for the boss fights. Okay. This one you have to, well, you don't have to, but it, it does help a lot to kind of give a little bit of thought to battles and not just, you know, hit, just not, not just use attack for every turn for every character. There are, uh, there are, there's enough threat in just basic battles that you have to like, be like, okay, this guy, maybe I'll, like you said, maybe I'll use an AOE spell or, uh, or do something a little bit different besides just attacking because that, that's, it's going to be a lot harder if you do that. So I appreciated that. There definitely are still a bunch of spells that I rarely use, like poison spells, like, that's one of the things I don't like about the earlier Final Fantasy games is a lot of the spells aren't necessary or are worth more trouble than like, it, it's like not worth it to use them. Like poison spells, for instance, are great, but only on, on bosses typically, because usually by the time a, a poison spell does its trick, you could have killed the guy quicker. Well, on a boss, obviously when they have a lot of HP, it helps to do a, do a poison attack and then also be doing damage later while the poison eats away a little bit every turn. But a lot of times on bosses, they're like immune to poison. So that just makes it, you know, obviously that just defeats the entire purpose. Or the stop spell, like maybe it'll work 20% of the time. So it's just not worth it to, to try using it. And this one, I feel like they did a little bit better job of like, I found myself using stop every now and then. Poison spell, I didn't have much success with that, but... I did, you know, stop and petrify and all these other things like silence. I found myself actually using them from time to time. And uh, so that that was that was really a welcome 
that was that was very refreshing to have to give a little bit of thought. The the battles weren't all just completely mindless. Hmm. Uh, what else? What else? Oh, here's a nice thing to to kind of uh, combat what I said about like, you know, you have a black mage who can do really powerful spells, but you're afraid to use up his mind points. Uh, or I always call him mind points. His mana points. Uh, because you don't want to get to the boss and not, and not be able to use them. So that to me has been kind of a little bit of a, of a, of an annoyance on, on final fantasy games. Well, this game fixes that by in almost every single dungeon you, uh, when you get near, when you get close to the boss, like usually it's like the room before you get to the boss of the dungeon, there will be a room that has a spot where you can save and use a tent. It's like this special little square that has an S on it. You can go there and you can use a tent, which which in the Final Fantasy games replenishes your, your HP and MP. Uh, and again, and you can save on that spot and then go fight the boss. So you can be using your mages and using up their MP and then get a chance to replenish it before you fight the boss. That was very, very nice to have that, that option before all of the bosses, because uh, that way you're not afraid of using all your cool spells and stuff beforehand. Very, very nice. Um, the story, the story actually kind of feels like it matters in this one, which is definitely not the case in, in I, I mean, I guess the, the story gets progressively more important throughout each of the first three final fantasies. The first one, it's really not important, but, but I do feel like they did an okay job of like, you know, the story that they did have to put there just for the sake of having a story. They actually did okay with it. The second one, the story was all right, but kind of like they, they, it was like they focused more on the story, but they gave a really bad story. The third one, they kind of backed off a little bit and it was kind of back a little bit more to, okay, we're going to do a story here, but uh, it really doesn't matter. This one, I actually felt like the story matters. It's not anything super complex. It's like, uh, the bad guy, there's a bad guy. And he's trying to get all the crystals so he can take all over the world. And you have to keep him from getting all the crystals. And it's kind of simplistic in that sense. But the, but I guess where it, where it shines a little bit more is the, the character interaction, the characters, you actually care about them in this one. They, they seem to have personalities. You, um, there, there were a couple times where characters like died, for instance. I, I actually kind of like felt a little bit moved by it, which is very, very uncommon for uh, for early Final Fantasy games. Um, the characters, you know, there are relationships between the characters, which kind of makes you like feel for them a little bit more. Like, I really feel like the the way they handled, I guess, the characters themselves, the writing of the characters more so than the writing of the story in general. Although there are a good, a, a few pretty good story beats. Um, it, it was, it's just better, more well done than it, than it was for any of the preceding final fantasy games. Mm. Um, but like, but like, then there are other things that are really simplistic, like the crystals, you know, Oh, like that's like the most, I guess it's kind of, I mean, I guess it almost wouldn't be a final fantasy game if, if it didn't have crystals of some sort, you know, (laughs) but at the same time, it's like, can we get a little bit more creative than just. Oh, the bad guy has got to get crystals and we got to stop him, you know? And it's funny because so it actually starts off with, with you are your character. Cecil is a soldier for the King who has gone evil and you help him steal the first crystal. And then 
it's like once you kind of realize what's going on, you turn into a good guy. Then you, all right, you got to stop him from getting all the crystals. So you go, it's like, oh crap, we got to go get this next crystal before he does. Oh dang it, he beat us to it. All right, we got to go get the next one. Oh crap, he beat us to this one too. All right, we got to go get the next one. Let's go to it. Oh, we got it. Oh man, he stole it from us. It's like it just is very predictable. Like you go to one, you go from one to the next, and something happens to where he ends up getting it and not you. Um, but uh, but overall, it's it's it. The story is done pretty well, I think. What's also really cool is that you get to go to the moon. That wasn't anything that's done in any of the Final Fantasies up until now, and it kind of gives a more there. You know, there's there are three. There are really three entire maps on this one. There's the uh, there's the main map. There's the underworld map, and then there's the moon map, which is which granted is very very small, but it it gives the game more of a like a very sprawling feel. It's like oh man, I've been all over the place. I've been all over the planet. I've been inside the planet. I've had to go to the moon. I've had to come back. I've had to go back underground again. I've had to go back to the moon again. It, it just gives you more of a, that feel like you're on some huge adventure, even though it's not a, a super long game. So I, so I appreciated that as well. Uh, what else? The translation is good. Uh, the translation is good, but, a, but awkward at some points. It's like, it's fine. They did a good job with the translation, but, um, like there are too many times where a character just says like their line of dialogue is just saying another character's name. <laughs> so that kind of gets annoying. Like they'll somebody like Ridia will get sad and it'll just say at the top Cecil colon Ridia dot, dot, dot. And then like a minute later, like somebody might say Cecil dot, dot, dot. It's just like that kind of gets a little bit old. And also there's a, there is a, I think this was, bec- I think this was because they didn't want to, want any overt religious references in it so i don't know if this is a translation error as much as just a a a localization thing but there are times where they say where they use the word wishing where where the where the original word obviously should have been praying but they say wishing instead and it comes it sounds very awkward it's like says oh they're up they're uh those guys are up wishing in the tower and obviously that sounds kind of weird or like they'll say, Oh, they were wishing for you. That's why you did a good job. All that stuff just sounds kind of awkward, but it's also, but also gives it a little bit of charm. And then finally, the best translation thing is I didn't realize that this is the game with the famous line. You spoony bard. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) There's a part where, uh, one of the characters gets very angry at the, um, at the bard character because, um, he thinks he's responsible for his daughter's death and um, he's yelling at him and he says his entire line of dialogue at, for, for one moment is you spoony bard. <laughs> so that's of course a classic and very funny to see in person. Um, I guess that's about all I have to say. Um, the, 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 Oh, the manual, the manual has like a walk through the fir- for the first of, probably about five or six hours of the game. So that was kind of neat. You really don't see that. It's either like most games don't have anything like that. You know, obviously the earthbound has like the entire walkthrough players guided with it, but that's kind of a special case, but that was neat. It was nice to have like kind of a little hand holding for the first little while, just to kind of get you started. That was cool. The game I think took me between 22 and 23 hours to beat. Honestly, that timing felt perfect. I was really afraid 
you know, by the time I got to that, you know, to the 20-ish, 22-hour, 20, 21, 22-hour mark, I felt like it was wrapping up. But I've kind of been burned by that before where, like, it's like, oh, no, hold on. we got to throw one more curveball at you. And then it's 10 more hours of just dungeon crawling. I was really afraid that that was going to happen, and I was not looking forward to it. Because even though I was liking the game, I, w- I'm, I, I wasn't, like, absolutely in love with it. So I was like, you know, this is a good game, but it's it's kind of time for it to wrap up. And I really feel like it wrapped up right when it should have. So the perfect length for for this particular game, in my opinion. Final thoughts. There are, I've heard people say that this is the best Final Fantasy game or their favorite Final wow. Fantasy game. And I do not agree with that at all, but I did genuinely like it. I don't really think see how aside from nostalgia i don't see any way that this would be considered the best final fantasy game but it is still a very good one i liked it um i i did miss not being able to customize the party in any way i think that's the the biggest knock i have against it um and it's kind of it's it's understandable because it's really the first time that the characters and their classes really it's the first time that their characters classes tied in ties into who the characters are and obviously that's done in plenty of final fantasy games after this but in those at least in the ones i've played you get to at least choose your party composition you know like final fantasy 7 final fantasy 10 probably i think any final fantasy the characters at this point in the series start coming with their classes predetermined, right? You don't get to choose what they are. They just, they are what they are. And that's fine. But you also do get to choose who's in your party. You might have six or seven characters and you can say, okay, I'm going to choose, I want my party to have a, you know, a black mage and a white mage and whatever else. And so I'm going to use these guys. So even though you don't get to choose who the characters are, you still get to choose your, you still get to customize your your party makeup and play in the way that you want to. This one doesn't have that at all. The characters are, their, their classes are what they are, and the party is always determined by the story. So you don't get to do any cho- any customization of your party whatsoever. So I think that's kind of the part where, uh, I think that's my main knock against it. I think I would have liked it even more if I had had some, one of the things I like about the Final Fantasy games is getting to say, okay, this is how I want to play this playthrough. I want to see how, how good I can do with this type of party makeup. That's kind of one of the fun things about it to me. So this is missing that, but not a huge deal. Um, I, I really like how the story kind of finally feels like it matters. I like the big sprawling feel about it. I really, I really felt like it had a strong ending too. the story. You know, even the story itself, you know, I said the characters are kind of better than the story in general, but, but that being said, the door, the story did wrap up really well. And uh, overall, this was a huge relief. After playing two and three, which I hated, I feel like I'm back to good Final Fantasy games once again. And uh, as I said, this is out of the first four. This is definitely the best one so far. That's awesome. I'm glad you enjoyed it, especially given how much you dislike two and three. <laughs> yeah, I was really like, man, I hope I like this one because it's been it's been too long. It's been too many hours of playing bad Final Fantasy games. But uh, we're on an upswing now. I I don't know almost anything I, I, about five. I'm looking forward to, uh, to finding out about it though. I'm not dreading it. Let's say that much. Yeah. I think you've gotten through the, the shittier part already. 
Yeah, I think so too. I really, you know, as as bad as I've heard, you know, eight is. Um, I really don't think there's any way any of the fin- Final Fantasies from now on can be as bad as two and three. Even like I've heard a lot of bad things about thirteen. Even that, I really don't expect to be near the level of of two and three's badness. Yeah, I, I think I think there's enough variety in the different aspects of the later games to where if you don't like one part of it, there's at least something you'll enjoy. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're. I think you're probably right. I hope so. We'll, we'll find out. I'm gonna finish all of them at least by the time I'm 67. Jay, you want to take we got quick? Like five years, or <laughs> all right, top. Oh shit! You know what? I just realized I forgot to. Um, I all whenever I do one of the Final Fantasy games, I like to go back and listen to what Blake said because chances are, if it's a Final Fantasy game, there was an early episode where he talked about it, and I like to go back and hear what he said about these to see what his thoughts are compared to mine. But I forgot to do that for this one. I have to go back and check. Maybe I'll talk. Maybe I'll see and bring that up on the next one. See what if he said anything that I didn't think about or that was that strongly disagreed with what I with what I said. But I do remember him saying one time that I th- I think he didn't really care too much for Final Fantasy four. Oh shit! I don't remember to be honest with you. Anyway, I was listening. To, oh man, I forgot. I think I forgot to tell this story. I was listening to uh, his his thoughts on it. Was either Final Fantasy two or three and before? Like I, we did that episode where whichever one I talked about that one of those, and like I was asking him questions about it, and I was being the biggest dumbass trying to figure out. Like, so he would say, um, "I was I was trying to differentiate between." Like the Japanese numbering, oh yeah, and the English numbering. But like, he was like, "Yeah, uh, you know, two in the United States was Final Fantasy four and, and all this, and then you know when it got to six, uh, or I guess it was seven. Um, then the, then the numbering all kind of became the same. And he would say something, and he would say something about Final Fantasy five, and I was like." Okay, Japanese five or American five? He's like, there's only a Japanese five. <laughs> and like, and then he would say something about about Final Fantasy four, and I'm like, Japanese four or American four? And he's like, there's only the Japanese four. Okay, <laughs> and then like he'd say like seven. I'm like, okay, Japanese seven. And he's like, they're the fucking same thing. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. <laughs> all right anyway okay top fives are for this for this episode top fives games that are good for reasons other than gameplay so maybe the gameplay itself isn't good but the game in so, itself but the game in general you still consider to be a good game all right yeah i took this as like the the gameplay is is generally not bad but some of the other aspects of the game are 
add more to it like if you if you compare them next to each other okay kind of looked at i think that's fine this is kind of a tricky one either way yeah i had some challenge my, my number five i'm not happy with my number five to be honest with you. i kind of want to skip it and i'm then, not either <laughs> I, i'm not thrilled with my number five it's kind of boring I, I i was like looking and looking and looking just trying to find something that that fit this mold and I'm happy. I, I kind of just want to skip my number five. To be honest with you. I'm like that disappointed. <laughs> you can't skip it now. You have to tell us at, at, at this point. You've talked it up too much. Well, it's not talking it up in a positive way, actually. All right. Well, okay. Look, I'm going to go first because I think I've had you go first for a lot of these and I'll give you the chance yeah. to cap us off this time. So okay. uh, my number five, which I'm also not too happy about is uh night trap. I say that because really the game the game in general isn't good. So <laughs> it's not just the gameplay. That's not good, but like just the whole game is not good, but it's also still kind of fun to play just because of the controversy that it started to see the cheesy acting to see kind of just the, uh, the, the weird style of gameplay. And I guess it is kind of, it was a little, it, it was certainly unique, maybe even a little bit innovative in the way that they have the story kind of going on in the background, and you and depending on what scene you're watching, you're gonna get different pieces of the story. That's all kind of neat, but um, I'm not happy with it because it's games that are good for things other than gameplay. This game isn't good, but it does have some good things about it besides the gameplay. Yeah, I'm not happy with mine. <laughs> all right, I'm well, like fess up. What is it? Uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to see if I can come up with anything else. I just, <laughs> no, just you have to tell us what it is now. I don't. I don't have to do anything. Wrong. You do have to. If you love us, it, it, it's not a bad one. It, it, it's not that it's bad. It's just boring. Okay. So okay. I, I guess I, I, I guess I'll throw it out there. So I, I was looking at MMOs and I was trying to find one that that I really liked from from the older days of like you know there are. I'll just say what it is. So it, it, it's 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 classic. <laughs> wow. It's classic. So, so what? The, the, the let, let me explain. Jesus. Uh, so, obviously, the combat is a big part of, of, of WoW. There, sure. there's a lot of aspects of it that are very enjoyable. Obviously, the combat adds a big piece to it. However, the thing I really enjoy about uh, older about some of the older MMOs, I look at Guild Wars in the same way. Is the environments that the games are put into are enriching. They add a lot to it from a visual standpoint. There's usually incredible music. There's usually story that goes with it. And also just kind of interacting with the world through quests and through different aspects in that regard are very enjoyable to me. Now, I know this is still, this is obviously in an MMO universe, so there's other people involved. However, there are a lot of different aspects of older MMOs that I enjoy that are outside the combat. Like the combat itself sure. gets can get repetitive, it gets grindy. There's aspects of it that are exciting and you know, evolving your character is very cool. Um, even as it doesn't relate to combat, like just your character's story evolving over time. So I was trying sure. to take it from that yeah. approach. I was just trying to think of the right MMO and, and WoW is the only one that, that really fits that mold for me. Okay, I think that's, I don't think that's bad. I, I mean... It's not bad, it's just, I, I feel like I use, I use WoW as a... As a, uh, a for a lot of different topics, which I mean, I, I think it does meet it. I just try not to to leverage that as much as possible. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> My number four. Is that book? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My number four is uh, <laughs> Simpsons Arcade. Oh um, my god! I almost thought you said my number four. That's funny. 
Um, it's a uh, you know, it's a beat 'em up game, as we've said many times on the podcast. Those have not aged well, but still, it's Simpsons. The art is awesome. It looks like the Simpsons people themselves drew it. It's it's not literally, but very close to it. Um, it just it's a great looking game, and just having awesome looking art combined with being the simpsons just automatically makes it fun regardless of whether the gameplay itself is you know super engaging i like that it's a good one thank you uh my number four is SimCity 2000 now i I'm, this is not to say the gameplay is not good in SimCity. obviously it's very enjoyable but i, I one of the, th- the key things i enjoy about playing sim games is watching the city that you've built grow you know you basically put down the foundation you do you do some touches here and there and the city more or less takes care of itself from there and it's always enjoyable to see your, your cities evolve and build up over time and then obviously getting to the end game which is where you summon some form of natural disaster to just wipe out all the work <laughs> you just did wipe it out and start all over yep okay my number three is dragon warrior and uh you know i kind of went over this few months ago when i uh when i talked about this game it's like really all aspects of the game as of the gameplay like i just don't have anything good to say about but for some reason i still enjoyed playing it still kind of don't know why i think a lot of it has to do with this being such a kind of pure distillation of jrpgs it's just kind of interesting and fun to see um it's also kind of relaxing just to sit back and like maybe listen to a podcast or something and just play something mindless for a little while. Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, even though the, the gameplay really has very little to offer, I am you know, still, still for reasons not entirely known. I, I still enjoyed playing it. So dragon warrior. Cool. Uh, my number three is uh, final fantasy 10, uh, final fantasy 10, obviously the combat, it Whoa. plays a big port. Whoa. Uh, obviously the combat plays a big portion of it. You know, it's a JRPG, but for Final Fantasy to, and, and a lot of other Final Fantasies as well, there's a lot of stuff that you can do outside of, of, of combat, especially in 10, that I feel like adds a lot to the game. Obviously the story takes a, a big, it plays a big part in it, but there's also, you know, some of the side quests you can do that are, or excuse me, not some of the side quests. There's a ton of side content that you can do throughout the game uh, that is very fun. Also a Blitzball, which... For me, is is not the most fun thing in the world, but it is a nice sort of break from from sprinting through the game. And also, um, I can't remember what I was going to say. Oh, there's, <laughs> a, there's there's sort of there, there's a certain things that you are collecting throughout the game that at a certain point you I usually take breaks from uh, actually playing through the game to go and try and collect some of them. And it's it's kind of fun. It's especially the first time I did it when I hundred percented it. It's a very fun sort of side quest that you're doing because you're you're not fighting throughout most of it. You are essentially just going back to some of the places you've already done to revisit to find and because you basically are learning more of the the um, forbidden language that allows you to access different puzzles as you go further and further back throughout the game, uh, which is very fun to me because you get to a certain point right before you get to sort of the, what I would consider to be like the final probably final two chapters where the world basically opens up to you because you have the airship and there's just uh-huh. a, a wide variety of side quests and things you can do that I find very enjoyable. And for the most part, you really aren't fighting at all. Okay. So you're saying for the, for the, for the part of the game where it becomes very little focused on combat and more like kind of completing the story based side quests. Yeah. And kind of exploring still, the world okay. too, because there's oh, a lot okay. of like, 
there's a lot of puzzles that you can do. There, there's just a lot of extra content that, and really, I mean, even as you're playing through the game, obviously the combat plays a major role in it. But I do enjoy the the story that goes along with it. It it gives me, it, it's a nice variety. Like you, you know, you go from doing some of the open world stuff to interact with the town folk to really diving deeper and deeper into the story throughout the game. But That's as cool. you get to the towards the last couple chapters, it really opens up. I feel like I don't really remember that aspect of it. I do. I mean, I remember like in Final Fantasy X a lot, but I don't really remember a lot of the specifics. So I, I remember that the uh, <clears throat> the uh, airship opens up very late in the game. Yeah, um, that's that's kind of, kind of what I'm talking about. Actually, it's 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 around that time, a little bit further, but yeah. Okay. Uh, give me just a second. Hold on. Okay, sorry. Um, had a little scare there, but with the recording, but everything is evidently fine. Uh huh. Okay, sorry. I almost freaked out for a second. What? So that's the that was number that was your number three, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. My number two is is WarioWare. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Basically, the whole premise of the game is that the mini games in it are dumb. <laughs> so. Like that, the the like that's kind of where the enjoyment of it comes from is being like, well, that was a stupid mini game. Oh, that was a <laughs> dumbass mini game. Oh, that was a weird mini game. And uh, yeah, though that's really the whole premise of the game is exactly what this top five is based on. So uh, that's it for me. WarioWare. Uh, my number two, another simulation game, Rollercoaster Tycoon. Um, again, very similar to to SimCity, where you basically it gets to a point where you are you know doing the primary mechanic of the game, which is building up your theme park. But very quickly, it just becomes a game of you kind of sitting there and just watching and interacting with with the people that are that are uh, within your park and taking feedback and making slight modifications. But it, it gets to a point about halfway through each level, if that even probably like forty percent through the level, where you are essentially just watching your park grow and grow and grow, and you're you're making very very slight modifications. All right. My number one is Turtles in Time. Pretty Whoa. much, pretty much the same reasons that I mentioned for the Simpsons Arcade, except this one is just a hundred times cooler, even than that. It's so much fun. The art, the backgrounds, the bad guys, the Ninja Turtles, the music, everything about this game is so cool. But it is a beat 'em up, and the gameplay itself is very limited. But it's but all the all the surrounding elements are are so fun that it's that it's still overall a very fun game to play. I like that, it. That was the one. This was the one that like instantly came to mind when when I decided for us. Well, I th I don't even know if this one was my idea. I feel like some. I feel like one of our guests said something that that made me think of this, and uh, that was the first one that came to mind. Broker Sekun is the first one that came to my mind. When oh, was talking about this? Yeah, understand. All right. Well, what's your number one, Jay? My number one is Earthbound. Um, really? Obviously, Earthbound. Yeah, Earthbound. Obviously, being a JRPG, combat is a, is a big portion of it. But I feel like the the actual setting that Earthbound puts together adds such a strong. It, to be to be honest, from my perspective, it adds a much stronger element than I feel like anything else within that game. Uh, the the dialogue, the story building, the world building, the visuals that go with it. I feel like adds so much to it that the combat is just sort of a bridge for you to get from 
you know, one part of the story to the next part of the story, the next part of the story. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some key boss fights that that add, that add a a whole nother level to it. But I truly enjoy just interacting with the world that, that Earthbound is built in. And every time I play through it, there are characters that I interact with that I've never interacted with the first time. There are new dialogue things that I've seen in some of the cities that I, that I haven't talked to everybody in. And I've always just really enjoyed exploring that world. Okay. I can, uh, I can respect that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I will say that I think the game, I think the gameplay itself on that is, is a pretty, is pretty good. Yeah, I do too. And that's what oh, that's right. Because you said you said on your on yours, it wasn't that the gameplay isn't good; it's that the other things were kind of overshadowed. It, right? yeah, either overshadowed okay. it or or just a, a nice additive to it. And what, what's cool about Earthbound is we kind of talked about you know at a certain point you become so strong that you just one shot everything, right? So or not everything, excuse me, but you one shot a lot of the the earlier fights, and and that just makes it even even more fun at a certain point because you can go back and revisit some of the earlier areas without having to sit there and grind through yeah, yeah. Know, more or less pointless fights. Right. All right. Next top five is uh, we're going to go with MMOs this time with the caveat being we're not sticking only to pre 2005 or, you know, we're not sticking to 2005 or and earlier because, uh, well, for me, I don't know about you, but my list would definitely, definitely not be able to be big enough. It would be, it would be forced. And, and I'll say, we'll, we'll try to add some creative touches to it to not make it super predictable because there are some very obvious expectations for both of us. I feel uh, like. You speak for yourself. Mine's probably going to be predictable. Okay. Well, at least my I'll number try. one is. But I'll um, try for both of us. I th- I'm pretty sure that I've played exactly five MMOs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, uh, this is going to be a little a little limited, maybe, but we've never done MMOs. It's, it's I think they're a genre that we need to give some attention to for the top five. So that's what it's going to be: top five MMOs, but not only classic ones, any MMO ever made. And uh, oh, mail at classicgamingpodcast.com is where you should email uh, your top fives if you want to, or other or other thoughts. No, not if you want to. You have to. Okay, just do it. Uh, okay. All right, we got a few emails. First one comes in from Burger Champ. He oh, says, yeah. Hey guys, Burger Champ here with a hypothetical. You ready for this? All right. You die and find yourself in the afterlife. Before you can play any game you want, you must choose one system's library to play in its entirety. Every game to completion. Would you choose your system based on the library you've always wanted to play, but never got to? Or the library with the highest number of good games to awful games? What system do you choose? Oof. I'm torn between the SNES and PS1, to be honest with you. I feel like the, the PS1's library is so large. I mean, it's so is the Super Nintendo's. Yeah, they're yeah, both, they're both but, but they both just have incredible libraries. They do. <sighs> So, so it's you have to play one library entirely through before you can play anything else. Honestly, for me, this is an easy question 
It's the Virtual Boy because there were like twenty games, and they're probably cop out. They're probably well, <laughs> maybe so. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right. <laughs> well, you, that's a hundred percent true. Uh, and I'm sure none of them are longer than like. I mean, what's the couple longest? <laughs> yeah, the longest <laughs> Virtual Boy game has got to be no more than a couple hours. Yeah. Right. I, I'd probably go with the SNES. I I feel like there there's a lot of bad games for, for the Super Nintendo, and there's a giant library. But that is a game that if you if you force me to sit there and play through it, I would enjoy. I I would say more than seventy percent of the games. Honestly, I would I would maybe say if I wasn't allowed to pick Virtual Boy, I might say 3DO now because it's kind of a middle ground of not many games, and also I'm having fun playing them. But, like, there's not a huge library for the 3DO either. For the Super Nintendo, the PlayStation, you got hundreds of games. For the 3DO, you got, like, probably less than 100. Or about 100, maybe. What if you had to play every PC game ever made? Oh, God. I just be no, like, I'm don't good. worry. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm good. <laughs> I mean, there's there's so many PC games, and you know, I respect everybody's everybody's opinion and and what their interest is. But good lord, there's a lot of bad PC games. <laughs> Some of them are really long too. Yeah. Oh, that's true. There's, there's like, yeah, there's super long ones. Okay. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, yeah, that's it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Great question. Yeah. Thanks for writing in, Burger Champ. It's always fun to hear from you. Next up. This one is from Joe H. Here you go. Jay, I'm going to hand this one off to you if that's all right. Sure. Uh, Joe H. says, Hi, Robin. Jay, first time emailer. I've been a fan of the podcast for a while. I actually started listening from episode 100 onwards and really love the show. You guys actually inspired me to try to do my own podcast. So thank you for that. Oh, cool. Nope. That's awesome. Uh, he goes on to say, Anyways, listening to your game of the quarter discussion for Final Fantasy XI and listening to you generally discuss MMOs got me all nostalgic for the first MMO I ever played and the one I was probably most addicted to, RuneScape. I remember as an 11 or 12-year-old, I would wake up several hours before my family, play for a few hours, and then go back to bed, only to pretend I had just woken up when my mom came in to get me. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if either of you had ever played RuneScape at all. Um, no, I haven't. I know a lot of people that do. A lot no. of the people who play classic wow pretty extensively also play runescape as well it is something that i've thought about for a long time and and maybe at some point i'll give it a shot but they still play currently. it oh yeah because the runescape 07 is is really big right now really yeah this 100%. is the one that's uh like is it kind of 2d um it's 3d it's 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 a i believe it's a browser mmo no way! I'm really? almost positive. Yeah. Oh, okay. This isn't what I was thinking. Maybe I was thinking of Maple Story. Is Maple Story 2D? Yes, and that is also a browser MMO. Okay. Yeah, Runescape uh, is definitely not what I was thinking of. Oh, it looks like it is. Okay, it's more. It's not not just a browser MMO. I was wrong about that. Anyways, yeah, I, ha I have thought about playing it. Is it Maple uh, Story that I was thinking? Of? Anyway, go on. It's 2D. Yeah, it's very cute. There's a lot of mushrooms. I used to play it a lot with Lisa back in the day. Oh wait, no, I don't think. Wait. This is not Maple Story. Looks like a. Is this even an MMO? I don't know what's going on yeah, right now. It is. It's a very grindy MMO. It's pretty fun. It was fun when MMOs weren't as prevalent as they are today because, like, if you played a lot of um, 
sort of let's say typical MMOs, playing Maple Story was like a very nice, relaxing time. This looks like a side scroller. No. Type in Maple Story and tell me what you see. And like, I, mean, I know what Maple Story looks like. I played it. I okay. played the second one. Though. Okay, there but, are two of them now. Okay, maybe I'm looking at the wrong one or something because. It's just a very grindy MMO. Okay. And there's like a lot of aesthetic stuff. You does, can do why does it look a like a side? Why does it look exactly like a side scroller? Um, because I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong in saying it, but it's like you you zone into an area and you basically stay in that area and grind as long as you want to. What if you don't want to? Anyways, uh, <laughs> so he goes on to say, uh, let's see, blah blah blah. blah. Uh. If not, they recently released old school RuneScape, so you can go back and play it as it was when I was a child. I'd be re- uh, it'd be really fun to hear one of you try it. I downloaded it, and immediately, as soon as it released, and it came to the conclusion that twelve-year-old me had no standard whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, at some point, I, I may give it a shot. I, I know a decent amount of people that play it, but it just hasn't really sucked me in quite yet. Yeah, I'm probably gonna pass on that. Yeah, of course you are. <laughs> uh, he goes yeah. on to say, I haven't yet listened to all your episodes as I'm listening in reverse order. Hmm. This Blake guy I keep hearing about that sounds super Uh-oh. cool. <laughs> Can't wait to see what he was like. So if you guys have already discussed RuneScape, apologize for the inconvenience. No apologies needed. Nope. Uh, and he says thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate the email. Yeah, very much so. <clears throat> all right. Uh, here we go from Dan. His um his subject line is thanks for dong gents. I, <laughs> I saw this and I was like what? And then I remember didn't that didn't somebody like accidentally say thanks for dong in one of their? <laughs> I feel like there was a typo in somebody's email not too long ago and they said thanks for dong. Do you remember that or am I just making this no, up? I don't. I don't know. I don't know if this. I don't know if it's Dan's thanking us for dong or if this is a reference. I think it's a reference. <clears throat> Dan says, hey guys, just wanted to shoot the two of you an email to express my appreciation for all you do. I started listening to the podcast around episode 100 and have since gone back to listen to the entire catalog while waiting for new episodes to air. Holy shit. Now that I have done so, I felt, okay, so he's finished them all now. Now that I've done so, I felt inclined to write in and give my thanks for the hours and hours of entertainment. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, thank you very much. Side note. Ever since I started listening, I have always tried to... Oh, here we go. Visualize what the two of you may look like in person. I do that a lot with podcasts as well. Oh my gosh, I do too. Yeah, I have a picture of what everybody looks like in my head. How do you how how accurate are you, Jay, on your uh, predictions? When oh, you, um, way off most way. of the time. <laughs> Not even close. I'm really, honestly, about 50-50. Sometimes I'm pretty spot on, and sometimes I could not be farther away. Um, he says, based solely on your guys' voices and, and opinions, I picture Jay being a fairly athletic build. Oh, yes. Not even close. Keep going. <laughs> Dark-haired, handsome dude. He got the last part right. <laughs> For some reason, I can't help but picture Robert as heavy set and short <laughs> with a with a wardrobe that consists exclusively of Star Wars t-shirts. Covered I mean, in, at least that part's right. <laughs> covered in mustard stains. Oh. I, 
I do ha- mustard, but yeah, yeah, not about no mustard. I do have a bunch of Star. Not a bunch. I've got like what? I've got at least I've got three or four Star Wars T-shirts. Yeah, I do have a I do have a good number of Star Wars T-shirts. I keep them mustard free. Thank you very much. And I also That's have fish t-shirts and Godzilla t-shirts anyway thanks for all you do and keep it up just kidding Robert I'm sure you are a handsome fella oh yeah I don't feel like he feels as strongly about my handsomeness as he does about yours because mine was in parentheses can you blame him (laughs) no sure I can't have you seen how long my hair is oh it has gotten a little bit long it's almost as long as my Fabio picture isn't it not really uh it's actually getting pretty close, not going to lie. It, it actually is really long. I'm not even joking. My hair is incredibly long now. I'm going to get a cut soon, though. I'm just going to use your picture as my profile in that case. Oh, yeah. You are not going to picture me with my hair this long. <laughs> Every time when I'm in meetings and, and people message me like, hey, can you turn the camera? Like, no. Nope. Like, uh, <laughs> you have to give me a sense. Like, I'll have to brush. Because I usually will brush my hair and then put it up in a hair tie or something just because I don't want to deal with with. It's just it, the comments. I It gets so obnoxious. People are like, Oh, your hair's so long. Like, oh, can you do that? Like, oh, so it's not that you don't like having it long. It's just that you don't like hearing people. Talk. I don't like talking about it. I, I I know I'm talking about it right now, but I don't like when people like comment about it. And it just, it just, it bothers me. I don't know. Because, you know, like, you know, the older generation, because I can pull my hair into, into a bun very easily now because it just the length of it. And, okay. you know, older, older people are with, with buns, it's, with men with buns. It's just such a. It's just, it's, it's just a talking point for some reason. I, I don't know why. I don't know what it is about it. <laughs> is it like kind of like a samurai style bun? Or is it like Princess um, Leia buns on each side? It's going to go with the Princess Leia. I, I generally only do it if I'm, <laughs> if I'm doing something where I'm like moving around a lot. Otherwise, I just let it down. Do you stick a pencil through it like a hot secretary? I do, I do color pencils, but yes. <laughs> a handsome, I, I prefer a handsome secretary. Handsome secretary, yeah, either way. Yeah. Uh, all right, last one. You know who it's from, Jay. I'm going to give you the uh, honors. Yeah, I don't have to know. All right, Chase says hello, gentlemen. Chase on Night Cleaner here with a teeny tiny email that I wanted to slide into your inbox. Ooh, Chase, wording. Uh, Chase says so the holidays here. Are... Oh, baby. So holidays are done, and we are back to the grind. Please don't say that. For me, uh, Christmas holiday always felt like the video game holiday for me because my brother and I might get a new system as a gift or a new game and then our time off would be spent ripping through said games i actually have the same same sentiment it's funny yeah it, as i got older too my family got more and more involved when we got like the switch as well so that's such a good call cool uh chase goes on to say but everybody else does something like christmas in north america don't they uh one thing my what? family used to do which is really kind of weird is we would all take a road trip from where we lived and meet up in niagara falls in the summer for a day just show up, have a picnic at one of the parks near the falls or one of the many locks for the rivers that led to the, the seaway. It's particularly weird now because I live there and drive by all the places we used to go on the daily. But yeah, family traditions and annual traditions can be kind of strange upon reflection. Wait, hold on. I had thought. What is weird about having a family trip to Niagara Falls? I think just having a consistent trip where you spend a specific day or taking a day out of, uh, out of, excuse me, just taking a day out, just go do this. I can kind of get that. Like if it's, if it's a sporadic thing where you're like, Hey, I'm going to go have a picnic or whatever, but it, it, it would be kind of interesting to do it consistently. So I, I can kind of understand that. Sentiment. It seems weird. It seems like to me that it would be weirder if you were like, 
just randomly woke up like let's let's go to Niagara Falls today, as opposed to like well, oh, hey, yeah, I can kind of see it. I don't know. Let's take our family trip. That sounds like a cool family. That sounds like a cool. Uh... I I think you're being too accepting, Robert. You need to be more critical. I, I'm just kidding. Don't don't yeah, cry. Okay. <laughs> you promise? Uh, not on not on the microphone. I won't. Not on camera. Was it not on camera? <laughs> <laughs> that either. My my so my my sister had her kid. Uh, I know, where's this finally, uh, like a couple of days, like a week ago, mm-hmm. and it it was so funny. My, my dad, my this this is our fir- this is the first grandchild, so my dad is is very emotional, and it, it was killing oh, me because it went. What did you say? I said, "Oh, that's great, first grandkid." Oh, it was killing me because my my sister. We were at my parents' house, and and my sister's like, "Does anyone want to hold her before we go?" And my dad just had like this like really adorable look on his face because you know he really wanted to, and and so he got the opportunity to hold hold the baby again, and he was just we have we have pictures of it. It's the cutest thing ever. But <laughs> every time I look at him, I'm like, "You're bringing tears to my eyes." Like we got to stop doing this. And then my dad comes over and gives me a hug, which I, I haven't hugged my dad uh, <laughs> since pre-COVID for obvious reasons. Yeah. And so it was just like, I'm like, "You got to stop!" Like you, you're gonna make me cry. <laughs> and then it was just so funny. It's like it was like one of those chain reaction things. <laughs> That's great. Overly emotional. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Chase goes on to say. I had thoughts for a longer email, but I'm tight on time today, so I'll just get to the question of the day. Okay. What is one family tradition that you feel is unique to your family, and why is it important to you? Hmm. Hmm. Having having the first grandkid is your family tradition. Oh, my dad kept pressuring Lisa and I to, to have a, have a oh, kid. Oh no, it's so <laughs> well, never gonna happen. We we're just we we're just shit talking the whole time. We we're, we we're saying that we have like 1,124 reasons not to have children. <laughs> and- it's a family tradition in my family. I don't know if I really have any. Um, the only things that come to mind are one, like basically everybody in my family loves Disney World, so we go there pretty frequently. Like not now a days, of course, but you know, when it's safe to, we take more trips there than probably most families do. Um, but beyond that. The only other thing that I can think of is not not a tradition and it's not something we do anymore, but it was but it comes to mind because he says they used to do this after Christmas or whatever. When I was little, I hated this. We used to always and well, I mean, I say I hated this. As a kid, I hated the timing of it because on for for Christmas, my parents always always, always scheduled vacations for the day after Christmas. And I hated that timing because I always got, you know, cool stuff and like, oh, I want to play with my fucking Sega CD or whatever. But, you know, I have less than 24 hours or, you know, I have like 24 hours to play with it because we're leaving the next day and that's not something that I can bring with me. So I really didn't like going out of town the day after Christmas because I had all these toys. Oh, understandably. Yeah. I had all these new toys and stuff. And then I just had to leave them behind while we went on a trip. Sometimes the trips were awesome. Like maybe it was a way, maybe some, you know, I'm sure some of those trips were to Disney world and that was obviously killer. And once I got there, I forgot all about it and everything. And I was super happy and had tons of fun, but I never understood why we couldn't just have one extra day at home before we took a trip for a few days. Makes sense. 
Anything for you? Uh, does alcoholism count as a family tradition? Why not? I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, so, so very similar to yours, actually, funny enough. So uh, Christmas Day, this is kind of a lead into the to the actual thing, but uh, Christmas Day was, was extremely exciting as a child. Obviously, you know, getting toys and all that fun stuff. And then my parents would be like, all right, now that you guys have opened everything, go get ready for church. And I'm like, oh my fucking god! Like, so we then I then have to get ready on Christmas Day, go to church, which is you know two hours, whatever it is, two and a half hours between getting two and ready, a half driving. Hour. Oh, there. I thought you were saying church yeah. is two and a half hours. And then there's traffic and you know, all that fun stuff. And then the worst part is we get home and it's like, all right, get ready to go to your grandparents' house. And I'm like, oh my god, can I just be here? Like, I just want to be here with my stuff. <laughs> and then I mean, I'm coming home, you know, in the evening or late in the evening, and end up falling asleep on a tree because there's. Um, what I was gonna say is, is one of one of my family traditions growing up was after we'd go to church every Sunday, we'd go to Blockbuster, and I would be sitting in church, just bored out of my skull, and just thinking about like, oh, what am I gonna rent? What am I gonna rent? So every, I think it was every Saturday or Sunday, I can't remember now. We we'd go to church, and then on the way back, we'd go to Blockbuster, and, and my brother and I would each we'd both rent a, we'd rent a game together. Eventually, it became we, we each got to pick one of our own. But early on, it was trying to you know work with my older brother who was. He was very, he was kind of a pain in the ass about it. He was very, uh, he was usually was like, oh no, I want this. So we want this type mentality. So, <laughs> uh, but I did enjoy it. And then ultimately, you know, when I got to write my own game, that's when I really started to enjoy it because I could explore more of the games that I wanted to. Yeah. So I like the story of when you, uh, <laughs> Told your dad that he that your brother threw up, so y'all could leave church early and go to. Oh, you yeah. thought you were gonna go to Blockbuster. <laughs> Listen, it was worth a shot. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was worth a shot. But uh, I love the like. I have this mental image of you like looking out the window and seeing Blockbuster go by and being like, "Oh, are we not gonna stop at Blockbuster?" <laughs> I know, right? What, what about priorities? Then? <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Um, when I was little, like, we didn't go to church or anything. So I never had, oh, man, I got to get ready for church on Sunday. We always went on Easter. And that was, like, the only time throughout the year that we ever went to church. And uh, is I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe this is me being an old person. But I kind of enjoy having church on Christmas Day for some reason nowadays. I really don't know why. But, uh... Like, you know, besides like the obvious, re- like, obviously I go to church for a reason. And for that reason, yes, I do enjoy going. But for some reason, I like it when uh, church ends up, when, when Christmas is on a Sunday and then we have a Christmas service, something about it. I don't know. I, I actually kind of enjoy it now. But yes, as a I kid. I was bored out of my mind every time. Uh-huh. As a kid, I would definitely just have been like. Falling asleep, getting poked by my mom for falling asleep, <laughs> and then staring up at the ceiling and counting the lights over and over and over. My dad would nudge me to stop doing that, and then, oh, it's time to stand up and sing. And oh, here me, here's me sitting on the kneeler as a child, just bored out of my freaking skull. Did you? What kind of church? What kind of church? If you don't mind me asking, did you guys oh, go I don't to? Care. My my parents were Catholic when I was growing up. Okay, that was that they was don't probably anymore. So that was probably a little bit more. Boring, like boring for lack of a better word like not to be offensive but like catholic services are very very uh formal and structured so i imagine those are maybe a little bit more for a kid on christmas a little bit more uh a little bit tougher to sit through yeah and, and the worst what seemed worse too is like because i have nothing to compare it to you know I, I went to one church growing up as a kid and when we moved to our new house we, we stopped going uh but what i was gonna say is the 
the classes for kids oh my god there's nothing more mind-numbing where they take you to like one of the side classrooms and <laughs> there's a group of kids and, and you know me and my sister my brother we are we were we were kind of degenerative as children we <laughs> screwed around a lot and did a lot of stupid shit so you know being in a classroom full of people who are kind of tame it was uh it was extremely boring and very tempting to <laughs> screw everything up. But did y'all get in trouble or did you just not do anything? Occasionally. Occasionally we get in trouble for stuff, either for talking or fighting or doing something <laughs> stupid. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Well, um, oh shit. I just dropped my thingy. Uh, I guess it. that's, <laughs> that's it for emails. Do we want to do any, got any current gaming subcast you want to talk about? We didn't close out the email. Oh, uh, oh, my bad. Oh, I'm so sorry. Chase, forgive me. It's all good. Chase says, and that's it for me today. As always, thank you for the sweet little part of your podcast and for doing what you do. Cheers and talk again soon, Chase, the night cleaner. Thank you, Chase. Thanks. Uh, sure. So as I kind of told you as we let in the podcast, uh, I bought Hades and that game is insanely fun. Uh, I, I'm I'm a good 15, maybe 20 hours into it after owning it for five days now. Uh the game is super fun. I love just just getting zoned into it. The music, the visuals, the gameplay. There's just so much to it. And it's like, I'll do a run for, you know, 45 minutes, an hour, and I'll die. And I'll be like, but I'll be in the town for a second. <laughs> I'm like, all right, let's do it. Let's do it again. Let's go. It's, it's time to go out there again. Yeah. I love the variety of weapons. I love the music. I love the variety of the different talents that you get. There's just so much fun to it, and the music picks up at the right times. The visuals are incredible. The voice acting is great. The story is fun. The characters are very interesting, and you want to see more from them. I love how the characters interact with one another. And that game is, is everything it was hyped up to be and more. I, I cannot say anything super critical about it. I'm just completely I, infatuated I with it right much, now. I pretty much agree, yeah. Very fun game. Uh, also about Divinity, Original Sin 2, very good game, uh, extremely challenging, extremely challenging turn-based strategy game with a lot of character development, depth, uh, uh, really, it's 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 one of those games that's kind of based highly in the D&D universe where you can more or less do anything you want, you can develop your characters wherever you want, you can interact with others that way, there's an extremely expansive story, a lot of dialogue options, you can build out your party how you want and then interact with the characters you build. It's a really, really fun game. And it's fun to play with other people, too. It's on Steam. It's on Switch. Oh, and by the way, for Hades and for Divinity, you can transfer your files between Steam on your computer and your Switch. So if you're rich and you want to oh, transfer nice. it over to your computer, you can do that. So Hell yeah. I've been very absorbed about. into both those games. I have been... Pl- I f- oh, I finished Doom Eternal, first off. I've heard uh, really good things about that game. You know... I have heard very mixed things about it. I, in fact, I've heard a lot of people like really shit talking it, and I honestly don't know why. I had a blast playing it, and I don't even really like first-person shooters in general. I rarely play them. When this first came out, I really was not interested. I just was not in the mood. But every once, every once in a while, I do get the itch for a first-person shooter. I had it, and so I went with Doom Eternal. I freaking loved it. I've heard so many people say like, oh, apparently Doom 2016 was just an was just like a fluke. They they totally screwed everything up. Like I really don't get it. I I can understand not liking the game, but I don't get why people like think it's so bad. It's not even that that different from from Doom 2016. 
I just, for me, it was, it was a fantastic game. It was awesome. Um, aside from that, I've got one quick story on uh, Final Fantasy 14. Yes, of course, I'm still playing it. I finally bought a, I was able to finally buy a house. So oh, cool. So the houses, the way you buy houses is basically insane. So there are a limited number of plots in on the server. And naturally, you know, I, I didn't start playing until a little over a year ago or something like that. And so naturally they're all taken. What happens is if, um, you know, if somebody, you know, uh, leaves their account or whatever, like, you know, c- cancels their account, then they lose their house. And also if you are, if you are dormant for like a month or something like that, you lose your house and they refund you like 80% of the cost or something like that, but you lose the plot. There's a limited number of plots. And during, uh, when, when the coronavirus hit, they put a freeze on removing anybody's houses because, you know, they realized some people won't be able to pay <clears throat> for a while. And they were just kind of trying to take it easy on everybody. So they froze That's that. kind of cool. So that was really nice. Yeah. And, but that made it harder, even harder than it already was for other people to get new plots, which again, understandable, but it did make it harder for people like me, but that's fine. So like a couple weeks or no, it was like a week ago. They, I think it was shit. No, it was like two Saturdays ago. They, um, that was the final date where their like grace period cutoff was. So they started removing some plots then. So finally some plots start opening back up for people to buy. Not a lot. They're still in very high demand. Most people kept theirs, but they did open some back up. The way you buy a plot when it becomes available is there's a timer that counts down. And at some point in the timer, the house becomes available to buy. But the only way to know that is to try buying it. And you click on it, you have to physically go to the house, to the plot, and there's a little like sign out front. You have to click on it and it tells you how much it is. And um, you say buy. And if the t- if it's not time yet, it says uh, the house isn't ready. The plot is not ready to be purchased. So you got a bunch of people just sitting out there basically clicking over and over again. But here's the thing. The timer is like 12 hours long. What? So <laughs> basically... You may you run around, try a few maybe, and, and don't get it. And then you find one that where the timer's low and sit in it for a while, clicking over and over again to hope that maybe you'll get it before the five other people standing around that particular plot get it. <clears throat> so I tried that for a little while. No luck. No luck at all. I did end up at one that sold, but it sold to another guy right next to me who clicked on it at the right time before I did. <clears throat> so that didn't work. So I was like, well, I guess I'm not getting one. I went to sleep. I woke up and I was like, you know what? I got up a little bit early today. I'm going to run around, check, maybe see if there, maybe check a couple, see if uh, some of them maybe became available overnight and other people haven't woken up yet to, to, to buy it. So they haven't checked yet. So maybe that was a good time. I did. I did that. I went up to, and I found a plot that was pretty cool. I tried to buy it. The first one, it actually worked and I got it. 
So wow. uh, that was pretty exciting. I got a plot. I had just enough money left over to actually buy a house to put on it too. Here's the thing. These are so expensive that it took every bit of the money that I've saved since I started playing the game to buy the plot in the house. And I had very basically nothing left. So they are quite expensive. It took a year, you know, over for, for playing a little bit over a year, all the money that I had earned since then doing, and also doing like a lot of gathering and a lot of crafting stuff where you make a lot of money from, I had just enough money to get a plot in the house, but I was very excited to finally have it. Uh, and so that was my, uh, that was my victory of my early victory of 2021 is, was purchasing a plot on Final Fantasy 14. I don't know if that's, I think that's probably that. Maybe that's sad, but that's, but that's my victory. That's all I got for current gaming subcast. No victory. <laughs> of course, it's of course Square Enix's way of uh, of purchasing plots is the most asinine way you could possibly come up with. Just be happy it's not Blizzard. You give up one of your one of your nuts for it. <laughs> well, yeah, if, WoW doesn't have anything like that, does it? Okay, maybe it's for the best. Well, I don't know. I, I think houses are cool. Maybe it's not for the best, but don't at least, put it in the ether. No, no, don't at put least, this in the ether. <laughs> at least you don't have to do something stupid like sit around and click on a thing for hours, hoping hoping that you'll get it before other people do. <laughs> That's all I got for current gaming subcast. Um, quick reminder to everybody: our game of the quarter, which we'll be playing at the end of March. We want everybody else to play and write in their thoughts is monkey island so jay and i will both be uh, the secret of monkey island the original jay and i will both be playing it we'll be talking about it then and you will we'll, we'll mention it before the episode that we do that one so you have time to write in your thoughts if you want to uh we welcome everybody to also to, to send in their thoughts on that please please do so if you want uh mail at classic gaming podcast is our email address send us in whatever thoughts you want to if you want to send in your top five mmos please feel free to do so I'm at King Octavius. Um, follow us at Class Gamescast. Oh, quick minor announcement. I, th- I don't think I've mentioned this yet. Mentioned a while back that I'm working on a video game called Nothing Without a Ship. I have uh, decided to indefinitely delay that game. I'm going to work on something else in the meantime. Um, I was super happy with the way it was coming along, but it was coming along very slowly. And for what I had envisioned the game to be, it was going to take, I was, I'm, I was probably still years away from finishing that. I hope to return to it at some point, or maybe come back and do a, a little bit more, a, a little smaller version of what I have, of what I had originally envisioned. But that game, so you all know, is on if indefinite hold for now. I have other projects in the works. If and when something comes up that, uh, that's, 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 I think to a place where it's worth talking about, I'll mention that. But, uh, but I, but I appreciate everybody seemed really excited about nothing without a ship. When I announced it on Twitter and showed screenshots and stuff, everybody seemed to love the way it looked and everything and and the idea. And I still love the idea. I still also really love the way it looked. I, I I wish I could, uh, there's a good way that I could speed up development on that, but there's just not. So I'm gonna have to put that on hold for a while. So thank you for everybody for your enthusiasm. Hopefully I'll have something else cool to show off at some point, but we'll see how that goes. Aside from that, to hear that. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
yeah, I, I wish I could finish it and I've had fun working on it. I, I love what it's become, but it's just going to be too, it's just going to take forever to finish. So uh, I'm going to have to figure something else out on that front, maybe at some point and, and work on something else in the meantime. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a bummer that I'm not going to get to finish it, at least not now, but it's also maybe something else cool will happen. I've got some ideas. I got some stuff that I'm kind of working on preliminary builds of. So maybe something else cool will happen, but we'll see. Um, leave us all some reviews on iTunes. Tell all your friends to listen to us. Check out other podcasts on the HP Video Game Podcast Network. I think this has been a long episode, so I will uh, I will let you guys go. Jay, what are your final words? Give us something. Give us something Time good. Time for bed. Time for bed. <laughs> That's all I Here's need. bedtime. All right. Thanks, no, everybody. Gonna, for are listening. you kidding me? I'm going to do another run of Hades. Are you insane? <laughs> I got to. I got to do one more. Maybe I'll need it this time. What am I going to play? I'm going to go. I'm going to go decorate my house in Final Fantasy. There you go. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it, as always. Thank you for your emails. We super appreciate those. We will see you all in three weeks. Take care, guys.